Perfect <laughs> Weekly. We've been here less than a year, and we totally destroy the fandom. Hey, Ron. The next time you're freaked at me for calling you out on the Quidditch bench. Just remember that time that you stole my chocolate cauldron and declared your love for the Mildred. Everyone excited? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> okay, you're way more excited than I am. All right, and welcome back to Power Fake Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Chi. Mike. And there's no other peons. Like, Mike turned around behind him, and, like, the peon, there's, like, crickets in the background looking at Mike. It's, it's very sad. A very small show this week. Ryan. What happened? So I was tempted to cut you, Ryan, but then I figured I'm outnumbered three to one. That's true. That's true. The Yeah, the, the, the peons are, well, Mike is basically, the, he's the head peon this evening, and... Um, peon. He, yeah, he's the I, only peon. He is the only peon. So, um... I've been thinking tonight. I've been uh, I've been retrospective tonight. I've been you know I've been looking back tonight on on the last uh, how many months of Powerfake Weekly? Eleven months of Powerfake Weekly. Eleven. Eleven wow. months. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, we have one more um, episode to come after this one on the Shoebox Project, and then we're going to do which our... I'm so excited about. Yeah. Next week's going to be awesome. And then we're going to have our season <laughs> finale episode. It's going to be um, a one year. Um, review of all the great moments of Parfic Weekly. It's basically going to be the best of Jen, and um, <laughs> that's the first year. And we've covered a lot of. I think you can all agree we've covered some very uh, heavy topics uh, this first year. This has been a very, um, very <laughs> stressful, very stressful, very, but very, very <laughs> meaty year. We did not shy away from tackling the issues. <laughs> In the last no. year, and looking back on it, we no. we have we have tackled you know um, self harm, we've tackled um, you know child abuse, we've tackled um, y- y- you know a- abuse of parents and, and, and issues of suicide and, isu- and issues of friendship and love and loyalty and courage and betrayal and all of these very. And serious... let's not forget wet sex and male pregnancy. Yes, that is true. We, we, and we, pole we, stripping. We did. Yes. We, well, the pole stripping was more confined to the to the form, but we have covered butt sex uh, very very uh, deeply on the podcast. <laughs> um, now tonight, I feel as though we're going to tackle. The, the the big one um and i just i just i just want to brace you for that um Parfic weekly has taken on all of these serious issues and and tonight Parfic weekly is taking on the post office and uh, you know yes. you, you, you don't I do this even... you don't do this lightly because you know disgruntled postal workers and there's retribution but i feel as though we we can't stay quiet anymore we're we're we're, we're taking on our take- voices have to t- speak out. We're taking on the mailmen now. I'm very fortunate that we have that we have Mike and we have Jen here this evening. Um, <laughs> you know, basically, if you if you want to hear about the shoebox project, you know, fast forward ahead, you know, whatever, four or five hours. But this is just, <laughs> this, this is, is too important. this is too important. Now, who would like to start the the, the tale this evening of of what's happened? I think Mike should because he's the one that was gracious enough to send it in the first place. Let me just set up the story for you here. Um, 
you know, we at Perfect Weekly, you know, the guest hosts and the staff and the editors, we're all friends in, in real life. We, we met through this project, but we're very good friends. So for Christmas, um, you know, we, we send each other gifts. Uh, Lady Cheese <laughs> gift, I have no memory of mailing, but she's received it and it was billed to my credit card, so I can only assume I sent Lady <laughs> Cheese um, something, in, and um, which she then forwarded to Meg, so Meg got in there too. And Jen, I hope you love the gift I got you. It's one of those things, I didn't want to get a gift like I would use, so I want to get something that would go, you know, it, it, it suited you personally. Did, did, you, did, you li- did, did you like it, Jen? Did you like yeah. it? Yeah. Jim's gift to me was sort of like James when he bought me lingerie. Well, or what he, what <laughs> he, analogy. Did he buy you a fishing pole or something? What did he buy you? A- oh, would you like that or better? It was like James when he gave me a life jacket. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it? I bought her the first season of Babylon Five on DVD, <laughs> so she knows what the hell I'm talking You're about. Terrible. No, 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 no. I am gonna watch it, and I'm gonna know everything. I'm going to go back and listen, and I'll know what he's talking about every like throughout the whole 11 months that we've just had. And she'll be the only one who does know what I'm talking I'll about. I'll try to explain it, though. But Mike apparently didn't get the memo that when guys give gifts, they give um, <laughs> they give gifts that you know serve only them. So here's the deal oh. now. Mike got a gift for Jen. Jen does not know what the gift is. Now, she knows what the gift is. Everyone knows what the gift is. The post office lady knows what the gift is. But I do not know what the gift is. And and if you PM me or if you email me, I won't even tell you what the gift is. But here's the thing. The the (laughs) gift that, that Mike got for Jen is the best gift in the history of the world. It, it is, is better than anything Sorry. I have ever bought, Danielle. It is better than anything. Like, she and I, we, we went back. Like, no one can remember getting a gift quite like this one. And, he, and it's one of those gifts that you put so much. It's like if you read, um, if you read, the hell was the name of the damn? It was a really good, uh, After the End. If you read After the End. <laughs> we there, apologize. Yes, we, we apologize, Arabella and Jen. You would love you dearly. Sorry the sugar cool shutting down. Um, in, when, when you. It's it's like the gift that that Ginny gives Harry. It's this gift that you know. It, it, it's one of those things that just makes Jen cry when she reads the fanfics. He put like, so much time and he put so much effort into this gift, and it was just oh it was just God. such a wonderful gift. Mike, pick up the story from there if you would. Well, uh, I don't know quite what to say after that introduction, but uh, <laughs> you're my so, hero. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I got the idea because I was I was buying everyone else gifts, and Jen said, "Whatever you do." don't spend any money on me. So I was thinking of, like, <laughs> what really creative thing could I do that didn't involve money? I was thinking a card. <laughs> <laughs> Steal a card for me. But work. I don't know. <laughs> so I came up with this idea, and I, it, it took me, like, 40 hours of work. Like continuous. Running all over continuous. You didn't sleep. <laughs> well, I slept oh in God. between. All right, I well, did sleep. Fair. That is true. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was running all over. I put it together. And, you know, finally I have the big box. And I mail it out to Jen. And actually, I almost didn't put insurance on this box either. Like, I'm standing there thinking about it, looking up at the uh, the little board. And at the last minute, I go, what the hell? I paid the $5 extra for the insurance, which is nice because I didn't actually, you know, $300 insurance I put down. So. And, uh, yeah, and it was December 20th, and I had the overnight delivery I paid extra for, and it just never showed up. And at never. first I'm thinking, like, 
Jen, oh, she's at her parents or something. It's like sitting on her stoop or something. No, we're I was we're recording this on January 10th. The package has still not arrived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know. And apparently, like, what was it? What were they saying, Jen? Like, the, the well, dress finally, stuff? like, what was it? The third, I finally said, okay, this is enough. I'm calling the post office. And so I started calling. I think I've talked to the post office every day since the third. And I have gone from, well, we don't know where it is to... What was his name again? To um, he, it, we think it's in. Um, we know it checked into Dallas, but we don't know where it went from there. To oh, it got destroyed. Um, and then to well, it's not destroyed. Just the return address and the two address got ripped off. To well, maybe he put it in another box, and the top box is the only thing that got messed up. To the latest thing, which is evidently there is a... Well, do you know what state it's in now? Have you tracked it to a state? Um, no. Um, was it do you, did, did she say a state, Mike? She as like far as I know. Yeah, like it's like, in, it could be anywhere. What states do we think it's in? Do we know the possibilities? I think it's in Alaska <laughs> with the polar bear. <laughs> personally. <laughs> Mike, I will say I, this. This woman now knows Jen's first name. Like she, like she calls. She does. Like, and how's Jen today? So she asked me every time I talk to her, "How's Jen doing?" Yeah, I just have to say, I just have to say that Jen mailed my Christmas gift to my hometown, oh. but she put New York instead of Massachusetts on the package. <laughs> I'm still waiting for my Christmas gift. But it no. got sent back to me, and so I was like, "Oh crap!" And then his present came. And he had this gorgeous letter in it. And I said, oh, well, I didn't add a letter because I was lame and there was no card. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a day or two and make this cooler. And so I did. And then I resent it. And then vanishment, <laughs> vanishment. And so I call and I'm like, okay, I sent this package. Where is it? And they're like, well, there was a lot of lost packages in Dallas where everything goes to Dallas apparently before it ships off to the United States for some reason. And... We they just haven't sent it yet, but that, it should be to him in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a week ago, right? <laughs> that was a week ago. <laughs> All right, so I, so so now we've tracked your package to one of four possible states. Now, is there any news on the on the on on Mike's gift? Is it just yes? Some- unfortunate. Well, sort of. Mike has put in his claim, right? Yep, I put in my claim. Yes, put in sir. your claim, so hopefully they'll grant it, I guess. Okay, but my package, so I was like, I was telling the lady, I'm like, this package cannot be replaced. I need this package. Tell me where it is. And she was like, or I go, can you even give me the number of someone who I could talk to to see? Because she was explaining to me about the special fairyland place that packages go to when they're unwanted <laughs> or or lost. <laughs> and so it's this you know, I don't know, black hole in America. And evidently, from that location, there is a huge post office auction that happens every couple of days for all the lost packages that need homes. So, yeah. So evidently, my package, wherever it is, is maybe at one of these auction places, and maybe she can get a hold of one of them. But really, it's just a good thing he had insurance on it. So the post office is selling Mike's Christmas gift to you to raise revenue. <laughs> that is what I was led to believe. And I was like, I go, that is, unex-. I told the post office lady, and I'm sure she talked to Mike afterwards. I go, that is not acceptable. You have ha- you have to help me find this package. 
And so we've got, you know, the FBI in on it, and (laughs) somebody will be able to find this. If you've seen an unmarked broken package, please call 1-800-LOVE-JEN. Jen's like, I need something with seven more letters. L-U-V-JEN with two in. Oh, LOVE-JEN actually worked. But, yeah. (laughs) So this, I don't know. I am just so fed up right now. I tell, well, the lady, it doesn't help that this lady is so nice. Is she not, Mike? She is real nice. She really She's likes like, you, too. I want to help really. <laughs> You're working with the same woman I love. <laughs> we are. Well, I was like, I go, I feel so bad. I don't know what it is. And he spent 40 hours and lots of time in its place. And she goes, I know, honey. I know. I know what it is. And she was like, but I, I need to talk to Mike because I really can't tell you what it is. <laughs> and I, I can't. the post. Yes, the post office lady. Her name is, uh, what's her name? Joanne. Joanne. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, like, she's talked to me and Mike several times. This is hard. Oh, God. Mike, I'm so It'll sorry. Every lost. time I talk to Mike, I'm just like, Mike, I'm so sorry. The U.S. post but, office system is sucks. I don't know what to say. I just say. love the fact that my gift hasn't gone in here yet because they're so focused on all the lost packages. <laughs> Tell it. I don't know. If y'all have to send anything, use FedEx. Please. Well, no, so then, <laughs> te- then uh, Tina, our, our wonderful guest host, Tina, has a TV show on Brotherhood, which I've never seen. She wants me to see it. So I said, fine, you mail me Brotherhood, and I'll mail you Battlestar Galactica, because she wants to know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so I went to the post office yesterday, and I mailed it. And I just have to tell you this. I mailed Mike my entire series of Babylon 5. I mailed him all of my DVDs, and he's watching them, and he's going to mail them back to me. And it cost me, I think, like $2.10 to mail the entire thing. I mailed (laughs) Tina this flimsy little envelope. It cost me like $4. I'm weird the doubt about that anyway. And they said, well, for another $0.22, you can ship it priority. It will get there tomorrow. I'm like, okay, you know, we'll ship it, you know, priority. And I called Tina, or I'm talking to Tina tonight. I'm like, Tina, did you get the package? She's like, oh, no, it didn't come here to you. You know, it, it didn't get here yet. I'm like, the post office must die. You, <laughs> you should go get your refund. <laughs> I think she thinks I'm overreacting. I'm like, don't tell Jen this happened. Which of course oh my god, like, that just like lights my fire. They yeah. wouldn't give me a refund either because they said we don't guarantee it arrives by that date. We just try our best. And I'm doing little quotes. <laughs> wink, wink. What have I would have been like? You what happened three weeks ago? Through rain. Through shine, through snow, you're supposed to deliver the damn packages. What about that? Well, what I about your the muscles? fact that Mike mailed a package, he gave a package to the post office three weeks ago, and not only are they not delivering it, they're threatening to sell it to raise money. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. All right, so it's there you terrible. go, everyone. All of the different, you know, very serious NC-17 rated genres we have tackled, and we have also taken on the post office. So, just throwing that up. Yes. Can we transition... Why you so nice? Can we transition to Shoebox Project now? We have a lot of anger in this group. I know. I'm pretty happy. I haven't had to take on the post office this Christmas season. Lady G, what the hell is up with this? You're the happy one all of a sudden. Like, Lady G is usually, like, the snark, and now she's like, I'm so happy! That's because she hasn't had to deal with the U.S. Post system. All right, we need to get Jen. Actually, I did. They did lose my check for my, um... You see? uh, (laughs) Damn! My, uh, office. I had a, um... Oh, this is a fun story. 
I have a fun story about the U.S. Post Office. Fun story about the Post Office. And the, uh, and the Kansas Department of Revenue. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> That's the my, um Well, I was in that car accident in August, do you remember? Okay. I hit that car because yeah. I'm stupid. And I got a ticket for failure to yield right-of-way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I sent in this check to pay for the ticket. And it never got there. So what happens in the state of Kansas if you don't pay a, pay a fine is they, um, after 30 days, um, they send you a letter. And then after 10 days after that, they uh, send a, put a warrant out for your arrest. And then after that, your license is suspended. Well, <laughs> apparently the Kansas Department of the Kansas Department of Revenue thinks that I'm still living in my dorm room. So they sent all this information about how my license was suspended to my dorm room that I haven't lived in since May. And, um, yeah, so I get a phone call from my insurance company like a week ago. Um, Catherine, Stevie, Stuave, Stu? Yes. <laughs> uh, um, is your license suspended? Not to the best of my knowledge. Oh, because the Kansas Department of Revenue says that it is. <laughs> oh, is there a warrant well, I guess out for your know. arrest at oh this time? God, there You're was a warrant out for my. There was a warrant out for my arrest. If I had gotten pulled over in the, <laughs> see October, it suspended since October. So October, November, oh December. You would be like January. the. Well, here's the thing. Did you tell them you're a host on a very successful podcast and you go on the air every week? <laughs> she is a felon. <laughs> so what happened was I drove I drove out to Manhattan where I got the the ticket because I'm staying in Kansas City for the break, and um so the whole time I'm like driving five under the speed limit checking for like state troopers like obsessively because if I get pulled over I'm going to jail. <laughs> it's just awful. And I, Went in and I was like, "What do I have to do?" To get my She's got dark back? sunglasses and the trench coat, <laughs> blonde wig. <laughs> I was talking with her hand face over face. like her face, and you can't get a glimpse of her. I was, for the I was seriously fugitive for the law from like for like three months, and I had no idea. It was awful. My mom yeah. and dad are all yelling at me. Thank God you're not on podcast. You would have been arrested by now. They covered this nice little quiet little under the radar podcast. <laughs> would have busted it you out, just... huh? Yeah, we would have busted would have you out. <laughs> I'll mail you bail money through the U.S. Postal Service. You'll be <laughs> next year uh, while she's still in prison. Oh my God, you would have been like the black sheep of the family, Jen. I would have had to bail you out and be like, "We're never discussing this again, ever." <laughs> it was awful. It was just like. <laughs> it's like one of those things where I couldn't even be mad about it. I was just laughing because I was like, what? and I had to pay like two hundred and eight dollars. You would have been laughing if he had carted you to jail. <laughs> I know. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> going to jail and your name is Lady. What happened to me? You're a vampire fan fiction writer. Oh. <laughs> So I, um, Joe called me yesterday. I was out shopping, and it, it, the phone number was marked private. So I answered the phone and said, <laughs> "Catherine, Stevie, how can I help you?" And he goes, "Chi?" It's <laughs> like, "Oh, Chi hi!" <laughs> and he's like, "I didn't Aww. recognize you." And I was he's like, "You at work?" Oh, I know it's precious, isn't he? Mm. Okay. Anyway, our, our listeners are like, "Who the hell are we talking about?" <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Our editor, Joe, our 
Not really. He's not really our editor. What is he? Okay. He's a forum. He is our, our savior. Our very generous forum member who's like, hey, can I edit the whole episode for you? And I'm like, Joe, come here. Come here. No, he's like, he's, he, he is, Joe is an artist when it comes to editing, and I'm artist. a finger painter. <laughs> that is the only way I can describe Joe to those Finger of you listening. Painters are artists too, Ryan. Well, that's true, but they have helmets, Jen. <laughs> can I just imagine if you got arrested, you would have had an alias in like the NCIC system of Lady Chi, <laughs> aka Lady Chi. Okay, oh, I really had to put that as my alias. That would be hilarious. That would have been awesome. And then <laughs> it would have been like, if yeah, your new form to... picture could be you with like the numbers. <laughs> You watch, one of the four members is going to send me. I just know it. Based on this episode, I'm going to get a picture of like me with prison bars and a number. Oh my gosh, and it's going to be Jen too. To whoever does that, that would be awesome. The last four of you have to be approved by the Woods and Gamut, but we'll get those through. Don't even worry about it, everybody. Go for it. (laughs) I just ignore her. <laughs> right, like talk right over of the family. All right, let's just before we completely, you know, get ourselves arrested. And by the way, since when am I the normal host around here? In the beginning, I was kind of like, well, I'm the straight edge. Guy. What do you mean? You well, think you're normal just because you're not a felon or an accident yeah, prone victim? Whatever. Yeah, he's kind of a, he's kind of a lupin. I you're a murder. I just have to tell you all, Just I, I don't want you to think that like we make this up. I'm not. The reason this may be a shorter than normal episode is we had to delay because de- because Jen found a dead bird on her bed. I mean, this stuff happens oh, all the don't time. Don't remind me. <laughs> oh, my Se- God. <laughs> Jen, are you all right? Stop Hi, it. Jen. Hi. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate my dogs. Okay. I was like, I just got home. Because I had to stay late, even though I was going to take a nap. Damn it. And then I come home, and the dogs ran outside. So I'm, like, screaming at the porch because it's fucking cold. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. Come back here. Who do you think you are, you stupid dog? Anyway, so they run around. Okay, Brooke comes back, my red healer. Comes back, the freaking dead bird. And she puts it. She jumps on my bed. And she's like, here, we're starting to eat it on your... And I was like, ugh. Like, trying not to throw up. I was like, I'm not ready. Wait. And so I took her outside, and they I couldn't get the damn bird away. So so I started chasing Brooke to try to get the bird away because that's not. That, what if that bird has rabies or something? You're gonna get so, rabies during the of the bird. I don't know. Like, why do birds just die in the? I don't know. So I'm like Did trying, to, and then I'm like, the okay. Bird? No, well, I don't know. It was like mushy and muddy, and I think it's been dead for a while. I think I don't know. It was just one of those crash in the air and fall type of situation. You think a bird randomly dropped over your house? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know why they maybe got tired and like nose died. Nose died. Anyway. You know what I always thought was interesting? I talk to people and people who live in the country where Jen is, they tell me they never see dead deer unless they're hit by cars. That's true. But where do, but where do the deer die? They have to, there's so many of them. I don't think deer live to... here. I think it's too hot for deer to live here. We go to Colorado or Montana to see them. I hit a deer with my car, so maybe that was, you know, I don't know. <laughs> or Massachusetts. <laughs> They're all dead under my car. <laughs> Did you stick it in your trunk? 
Why does everyone keep asking? No, the deer. Oh. Why is <laughs> Jen runs like, outside no. with the dead bird, puts it in the truck of her camera. I put it in the compost pile. She threw a sword through her dog. She did. Jen threatened to um, impale me with a sword earlier in like the podcast. I like gave her Altoid. Ugh. You, ga- <laughs> what? you gave your dog an Altoid? One. <laughs> I'm not having bird breath like me. Gross. <laughs> all right, it's all right. Terrible. We we need to get motivated here. The shoebox project. It's a now. Can I just? I just have to tell you this. I'm not gonna lie. I am not gonna lie to you. My I, I have had a very busy, um, very busy holiday. Very like I'm 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 just very very busy. The only had that. The only time I had ahead, obviously Kat. what. <laughs> Go ahead, Captain Cornery. All right. All right. We have... What is with that? I don't understand. She has taken to calling me Captain Coronary because... Okay, can I just tell you, these two leave me alone for five... Like, okay, Ryan, yeah, we're a team. Have... Okay, podcast over? Great. We'll talk to you. They disappear until the following podcast, and I'm left to handle everything. Oh, My new name is Captain Coronary. I admit I I actually... Yeah, Jen takes off for like a week and a half. Takes the podcast with her. We have no idea where it is. Uh, It was... My birthday. I know. Happy <laughs> birthday, by the way. Yeah, Mike, did, Mike, did you send her anything? <laughs> right. Down to post office. I actually okay. sent Lady Chi a text message that said, and I kid you not, Chi, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> you are the You're the most reason. stable person I know. I need you to come back. <laughs> like, his, um, it's like it, I haven't even gotten my new meds yet. It was a very, oh, t- it's a very. T- I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, oh. it was a very, very busy, very busy couple of weeks. So I had to listen to <laughs> these. And what I do is I listen to these chapters and then I read through them again and I catch the artwork. And I catch, it's the only just this one week. Just bear with me. This is how I had to do it. But when I have my computer voice read the chapters to me. It, it reads it very slowly. So these chapters are taking me like ten and a half hours to listen to. I'm like, how you, ha- how you listen to it on that thing? Because I tried, and like, they can't even pronounce half the words that I are in this. I, I will send you, I will send you one of them. So anyway, I I <laughs> couldn't go with it because it would take me ten and a half hours to listen to it, and I I just didn't have that kind of time. I only had like three hours. So I'm like, okay, I'll make the computer talk faster. <laughs> I read these chapters, or I should say, I listened to these chapters as narrated by Alvin the Chipmunks. <laughs> so these chapters touched me deeply. I bet that was <laughs> It was very fun. I bet that was. No, and no, it is. It's like you can't, like, even reading up until chapter uh, fifteen, like reading up through, um, yeah, up to chapter fifteen, you don't really even get how funny this is unless you have someone read it to you and it was just so hilarious listening to this stupid voice try and read it to me I, I don't like I laugh so hard listening to these it was just these chapters were just so hilarious and you know what Jen said something um, back on the um, joint podcast we have with Spellcast about how she just she doesn't read uh, future generation fix it's not something that she can do she doesn't really enjoy oh. yeah she doesn't enjoy you know the 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 uncharted landscape in the future she wants to stick with with the core characters and with for, the characters that are actually about harry potter yeah and for me it, i'm the same way with um <laughs> yeah exactly scorpius she's picturing the guy from farscape i am in, in the leather. leather yeah well that, well yeah that, that's your default position anyway i can see that i was but, like you don't <laughs> 
I don't fantasize about him, Jennifer. <laughs> I don't fantasize. Jen- well, maybe the John Bryant No, he had icky teeth. That's true. Well, he had he had an he had a pontical in his brain. Come on. <laughs> well, that did bother me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Scorpius has a popsicle in his brain. <laughs> yeah, it oh, turns my. blue when it's cold and red when it's Hold hot. Hold on, Mike. You know we're talking about Farscape, and we're not talking about um, Draco's son, right? No, I didn't. Okay, well there you go. This is how we get you into trouble. <laughs> Mike's like the guy you bring out for a drink, and you end up getting him arrested. It's Mike his own son. special head wand. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love having Mike on the podcast. He, he offers that perspective that we don't get. But, you know, like for me, the mor- it's, it's like weird. Like I, I've used the Babylon 5, you know, comparison before, which Jen will now understand. Sadly, she will not, nor does she care. Oh, Chi, no. I'll explain it. No, I, it's, on my, it's on my list, Ryan. I've been given a new list. After Twilight. <laughs> when they put you away yeah. for three to five, you'll have time to get to the ladies. No, the ladies in the restricted section and Jen have been giving me reading lists and watching yes, lists. Yes, you have to read and Twilight. Finally, Everyone... Jen, go for it. <laughs> I finally laugh. got around to seeing Love Actually. So, Ryan, I've got one of your things down. It's just right. to work my way up to Babylon 5. Okay. So. Jen and wants Twilight. everyone to watch Twilight. So. No, not Ryan watch it. can't complain about anyone else. Twilight's a book? I thought it was a movie. Well, it will be a movie, but not yet. And guess what? Cedric Diggory is the main character. Ooh. Yay. Is he, is he Edward or what's his other one's name? Edward. Oh, Edward is hot. Okay, anyway. I'll take it. And it's great right there. <laughs> Yeah, awesome Ryan, there. I don't know how you can complain about anyone else not uh, reading. I am working. Mike, Mike mailed me. Jen, don't even start. You have the books, too. Mike. Just, I know. Mike mailed Jen and I some books to read. They got to us, you know, within the acceptable period of delivery time, as, as you know, promised by the United States. But no, they got there by FedEx. It's <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, UPS delivered those. There's the thing. You have to ship UPS. Oh, ship and UPS. I, I swear to God, I'm going to read these. Like, I take this book with me everywhere. Every, I promise you, everywhere. I have not had time yet to, to crack this book. I'm working on it. But anyway, like, so, re- like, I'm the type of person that I don't mind stories knowing how they finish because it's interesting for me because I want to know how they get from A to B and see how the, see how you get from the beginning to the end. For whatever reason, even despite that, I never warmed to the Marauders era because it's like, who cares? I, I'm, I'm reading this story about Harry and Voldemort and all that. Like, it, it just never interests me because you're stepping into... It's, it's essentially just like the next gen type of stories. You're stepping into an area where this author can basically build everything. There's no real established characters. There's you know there's James who we know a little bit about from the canon, and there's Sirius, so you can kind of you know de-age Sirius and show us how he grew up. But it's more um, the author can really build the characters up a lot more than they can in the traditional fanfic. And for me, that's dangerous because if I don't know who the author is, I don't want to waste my time, so I never usually jump into that. But I really, really, really love Shoebox. It's so amazing because every time... (laughs) You know what? It's so funny. The characters Mm -hmm. are so incredibly full of life. It reads like an episode of The West Wing. The the characters (laughs) are... I'm gonna fit. I'm gonna cram them all in here. Battlestar is coming right up behind this one. Okay, you know okay, what? I'm done. We're, we're coming to the dark day where everything changes. But you know what? It's hey, let's do that now. Like with, but like with, like with. You know, I made these comparisons two weeks ago. I won't do it again. But you know, it's like when you're reading up through here. I had to keep like pinching myself listening to this today because I'm just like, you know what? Peter, the dopey kid who wants to 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 you know go into the toast industry 
is going to betray these guys. And when they make the joke about Remus living to, you know, a ripe old age, he's not. Because I, even though I know this was written years ago, I, I hold it true to, to the uh, Deathly Hallows canon. It's just like, you know all of these characters have a very dark future ahead of them. When when James and Lily, you know, are, you know, are exchanging, um, you know, Valentine's Day gifts, or when she's opening her Valentine's Day gifts, I said to myself, I'm doing math in my head, I'm like, she has three years to live, four tops. And it's it's just, you know these characters are heading towards death, but... Death and destruction. Well, it gives yeah. it a certain layer, I think. You read it differently. Well, know what it mm-hmm. j- may jump out to me? Um, when you read the canon, there's, especially in Order and Half-Blood, and especially near the end of Deathly Hallows, there's that overwhelming sense of, um, of despair, of that you can't get past... You can't live your life because this cloud is hanging over it. And Harry... I think expected to not make it mm-hmm. and he nearly didn't make it. And just like James and Lily had that cloud hanging over them and they didn't make it. There's this cloud hanging over the characters where they can't start to live, you know, their lives. And when, when you the, the thing that I love about Shoebox is it augments the canon so well, because we have Peter Pettigrew, the traitor and James and Lily, these, you know, very simple, they're character types. They're not even people. We know nothing about them, but they're the people who loved their 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 child so much that they died for their child. And when you say that, you're like, oh, okay, you know, parents love their kids and they die for their kids. But you don't think of them as people. And you don't think of them as you know people who used to be you know sports players and and, and students and, and and daughters and sons. And it's just so interesting that I know reading this that James and Lily have three years to live, but they got to live and they got to have all of these exciting times. And before the Marauders fell apart, and before the Marauders were all killed, they had this time together, and I don't think you get enough of that, nearly enough of that, from from the canon. So this is one of the areas where I think fan fiction works so amazingly well, and that I can now read you know, Prisoner of Azkaban, or I can read um, you know, Order or Deathly Hallows, and I can see how these characters end, and I think every time I do that from now on, I'm going to say to myself, what if it was like this? You know, Shoebox wasn't written by Joe, but what if it was? I mean, they could have had times like And it just, it means so much. It, this makes the canon mean so much more to me, which I think is the best compliment I can give fan fiction. That I just, okay. that, that was what I just, I'm going to shut up now because I've been talking for 28 minutes, but. It well, just, it's been, it's, I, I, th- I totally agree with what you're saying, though. Like, I didn't want to butt in because I was just nodding my head as I went along. I think, the, I think something that also makes this really stand out is the fact that, it's written to their age group. I think in a lot of fakes, they have the Marauders. Um, you know, we all know that they died so young, and I think that people justify that as, oh, they were really, really mature for their age, or they were practically, you know, 30 or in their 40s mentality-wise because of the war, blah, blah, blah. But And I won't, I won't say that takes away. Something's going to happen next week. Um, and I do think they're going to grow up really fast. But I like that they don't, they don't rush it. You know, right. these are all 16, 17-year-old, 17, I don't know, 17, 18, yeah. 16, 18-year-old kids. Yeah. And they act that way. I mean, yeah, they're really intelligent. And I think that's one of the things I leave when I leave a chapter. This isn't one of those stories that I leave. Like, I have certain ways that I leave stories. Like, I, And I know I've brought this up, but I just finished the Twilight series. And I didn't leave it going, wow, I feel... 
so much more smart. I feel, you know, it, it wasn't an intellectual challenge. I just finished it and I felt, wow, that was a good story. And that was really great angst and it took me on a really good ride. When I finished reading chapters of this story, though, I feel like, <laughs> like what, like I've stepped outside of myself and looked into myself and put words to feelings that I didn't know that I had. Like I feel smart and I can relate and it's so funny to read it and find myself relating to characters who I wouldn't have assumed I would relate to mm. for example you had brought up the when Lily gets the her, the earrings Yes, I found myself relating to James in that like Lily felt like the boy to me and yeah and so I what I like about that is when a character can bring out qualities in a certain character that you wouldn't expect them to have, but it makes complete sense, and it also makes you be able to reflect on yourself better because you right. realize that you don't have to be a cookie-cutter person. Yeah. Right. Well, I have to say, Ramus is so me at 16 and 17 and 18 that it's really uncanny. I mean, it's... I mean, it's... it's. But not this yeah. year. This year you've broken away from the no. Ramus? Okay. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, this, there are aspects of Ramus that I still relate to, but that... that um. When I was 16, people would would assume that I was 23 or 24 or 25, you know, before they asked me how old I was. So I that that weird juxtaposition of feeling so much more mature than everybody else but wanting to relate to everybody else, not quite being able to do it and yeah. not being feel, not feeling okay in your own skin and that kind of stuff. Um that that's what I relate to and um you can just uh, you feel so keenly for Ramus in this story. I really think. Well, um, I think him and this is Marauder's fake, but it's definitely a Remus fake. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, Marauders. Jen and Ryan. Who? Is that who what? you relate to? Also, um, I like who do I personally relate to, or who this yeah. is? Um, of the characters, I would say probably probably Remus. I think there's a lot of different people. That can look back and see something in Remus um, that was, you know, part of who they were. I mean, you have the, you know, like the Pruitts and the Freds and Georges, and you have, um, you know, the you know the Siriuses, and they're kind of in one group of the very outgoing, you know, type of persona. That was never me. Yeah, I was always the very um, clumsy, very shy kid. Um, I don't think I was as smart as Remus, you know, intellectually. You know, just I wasn't the bookworm type of kid. But there's a lot. Of um, there's a lot of re- of Remus I can see in myself. You know, it's just it's like just jump on something Jen just said. You know about it, it makes you feel smarter to read it. It's like if you've ever had this particular type of thought on how people interact with each other or how the world works or this very philosophical you know concept, and then to read a fan fiction and to have one of the characters experience that. It's 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 it is it's a very moving, you know, experience mm-hmm. for me reading that because it, it's it's just that connection with literature. It's you realize that you know through the author, there's someone else out there who understands you, and it, it's just it really it, it it it's just it's so well done. You know, just all these. I felt like William Shatner there. I'm like so well done, Spock. Damn it. But, <laughs> but it is yeah, voicing it just perfectly. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad yeah. because I I had nowhere to go really from there. Lady Chi. <laughs> Are you yeah, the lady it 
What now? I'm, I'm sorry. I thought we were. Sorry, are we I still on? Who do we relate to? You can talk about whatever you want. She just if you want whatever you were going to oh, say. Oh, I was just saying, I would think that you would kind of, re- I don't know, I see a lot of James in you, really? Ryan. I don't know why. Well, at the time, yeah. well, when I was, well, actually, when I was 16, yeah, when I was 16, I was a lot more, um, I did have, like, I was never, you know, the, the, the sports star by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I, like, I'm lucky but- if I could walk to my car without falling over. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the, you know the, like, the first time you start to date a girl or the first time you fall in love, so, so, like, those were the things that kind of were happening to me around, you know, 16, 17. So, yeah, but if I have to look back, I say Remus is usually Remus, the one. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, you feel like the outcast in the group. I always felt like the outcast in the group. There's, there's just the just the major, like, you know, stripes of the character are the ones that jump out at me. And, I um, think right. But I think that James, even his character, is he's almost split into two different characters because I think for the most part, in my younger years, I was very much like serious. I really relate to his character a lot. But I think as I've grown up, I relate a lot more to James in the last five chapters of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think he I changes... Yeah, well, which yeah. We're, we're getting to next week, right? That's the stuff. Cause I, yeah, it I, is. Okay. I know. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I think that because he's still the same character, but he has a more of a level of maturity, and and he also has, I don't know, certain layers that he sort of has to get past. Well, if you look at the yeah. characters, you have Peter, who is very he's much more dimensional in this fic than you'd imagine. But you can elsewhere. relate to him. Yeah, you can. You can. Well, right. you, to an extent, he's I mean, kind of to a pathetic level. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, he wants, he, like the. I really want to talk about this because I don't think he's. I think in these chapters, especially, it sort of shows like he's the kid who you sort of feel bad for. You don't necessarily want in your group of friends, but you put him in the group because because it's just the right thing to do. Even though you think he's like ten years behind you, mental, you know, mentality wise. Uh, you know, he he comes across though. If you think about it, he comes across as a lot more. Um, a lot less of the outcast than you would expect, you know, for this type of story, knowing what's coming. He, you know, he, he, he gets some zingers in there, and he, he, he you know, is you he... think? Yeah, I do. I feel I like... I don't it... think it's a visible outcast. I think he is not at all observant of it, really, until later. I mean, but... there, are, there are parts of the story where he, he demonstrably is a part of the group. You know, mm-hmm. through, you know, he'll have a great one-liner to get back at Sirius, or he'll be uh, Wormtail, and he'll help perfect the marauders map he's very um deeply involved in the group and i have here in my notes that one of the things i see coming is you know okay we're going to tell a marauders fic why are we telling this fic that you know we want to put names and faces to these characters and we want to show what happened in these missing years but we also want to explain how four friends and this one girl and you know in this seven-year journey turned into you know the disaster that happens in 1981 where did that all come from and if you think about it you have in this story, you have Remus and Sirius together, and you have James and Lily together, and then you have Peter. And mm-hmm. where there's that vacuum, because it happens, every group, you know, when you have your, your group of guy friends, and then the first one of you starts dating a girl, everything changes. And that's, you know, the point where you have this outcast character who anything could happen to, now you introduce that dynamic, which I, I don't know if that's the way the story's going to go, but, but I could easily but see I it. Keep going, I keep going back to that scene, though, where Dumbledore finally gives him points because he's the only kid that doesn't have an imagination. 
for the Halloween spell. <laughs> well, that was unfortunate. And it makes me, yeah, like, it's, it's horrible. So I don't yeah, know. Like, he really is behind. The thing with Peter, I think too, so. I think it's not so much he's not part of the group as he doesn't, like, you think, like, Sirius and uh, Lupin, they have a special friendship within the group. And Sirius and James, they have a special friendship within the group. And it's not so much that Peter's an outcast as he has he doesn't have a special connection with any of them. That's and, well, he feels very strongly for James, but I don't think that James feels James that way about Peter. No, this nice. he doesn't. He doesn't bring something important to that friendship. When you look at these characters, you know James and Sirius each offer each other something. James is the stabilizing force. Sirius is is you know that he he is the, um, the the more laid back, you know you know, more crazy approach. Or then even as it goes a little bit deeper, you have Sirius, you could argue, is the more mature one. Especially, look at the scene where uh, Sirius gets the money from the Black Family Fortune. Sirius is the one who wants nothing to do with it. You know, this is about more than just money. And James doesn't know, I believe it was James, doesn't even know what to say and says, you know, well, how much money is it? Was was that Lupin? No, you're right, that was Lupin. But, you know what I mean? It's like, let me even back up then, because I'll make a different point from it. You have, um, you have... Sirius, when he earns the black, when when Sirius earns the black family fortune, you have him instantly, you know, not want any of this money. He doesn't want anything that was touched by his mother, and you get a sense of that, uh, you know, that family life. You had to leave home. You had to leave everything behind. Who you were, your family name, pretty much. You know, you're you're going to become an essential father. It's the same thing that happens to Harry later in life, and you have James, who pretty much has a loving family, and. He has everything he ever wanted, and he's not. You don't get the sense that he is, you know, very spoiled from it. But he hasn't had that life experience, and we all know people like that. I mean, I've had life experiences when I was twenty-three that people who I know who are forty have never had to experience. It's just you know sometimes life works out that way. So when you think of it, they each can offer each other something, and especially you know Sirius and Remus. They can, you know, they have a lot they can offer each other in terms of their relationship. But it's like, what does Peter bring? To a relationship, he brings um, hero worship. Yeah, he you no, know, that's it. Which is nice at first, but he, is... does, he doesn't know what he wants. When he goes to McGonagall for career counseling, he's like, "Give me whatever James has." And she even says to him, "You know, your your grades are you know stable because each of your friends helps you in one area. Who are you?" And I think that's the story of Peter Pegrew. He's a kid who didn't know who he was, and he went out looking for it, and he found Voldemort. And right. Yep. I mean, it's a very, very, I mean, very. All of us, I think, all of us have friends who are Peter Pettigrews. Yeah. That just kind or of. Or at one time. Or at one time were Peter Pettigrews that just didn't know where they were going or what they were doing, and you know, they were and, socially. You know, in my case, they yeah, they were socially retarded or just not <laughs> quite. Yeah. You know, just not mm-hmm. quite with it exactly, and a lot of those people. You know, now are are pregnant or whatever in my case, or you know, working at the gas station. Do you know, anything you want to tell like, the group? <laughs> uh-uh. No, no. I'm actually, you're like pregnant in my case, and I'm like, oh my god, she's she has a warrant for her arrest. She's wearing a trench coat. And a, no, <laughs> she's pregnant. no, no. Just oh, saying, we're not there like yet. My my high school has the highest teen pregnancy rate in the state of Kansas. Anyway, um, but. <laughs> That's uh, I'm gonna be that side of it. Is, oh yeah, let me tell you, per capita, and um, so yeah, we all have friends who are Peter Pettigrews, and at the same time, I think we all had friends who were 
that's the other thing is that if you aren't one of the characters, you have a friend who was one of the characters. You know, well, like this past year, I've become more and more serious black. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed that. She's wearing a dark <laughs> but, like, collar the, as we speak, everybody. Yeah, the unstable type of wildly happy, miserable type of that kind of stuff. I think we all at some point, you know, go yeah. through a phase of one of these characters. So, well, it's not even just these characters. Like it's if, if you think of Peter here, he's a guy who doesn't know who he is, and he has, you know, he doesn't think he's good at anything. And maybe he would be. Maybe mm-hmm. if maybe if he took McGonagall's advice, he could have done something. He he makes the choice. Yeah, he could have not to do it. Isn't that really the, the story of Neville? That's though? the saddest part. Yeah. Ne- Neville starts out. He, he has no. Neville doesn't start out knowing who the hell he is. He can't do anything. He doesn't really hear a worship. You don't see him. You know. You know, schlepping along after Harry. You know, trying to carry his books. Neville goes off and does his own thing, and he's an outcast. And if you judge by the movies, he is the you know most awkward dresser ever, and has the worst <laughs> hairstylist I've ever seen. And I, I'm telling you, you know, stripes. You know, horizontal stripes are not slimming, but. You know, he eventually, you know, he finds himself, and he is one of the bravest characters in the book. And I think you yeah, always, he is. You always hear the question, why was, um, why was uh, Peter put into Gryffindor? And uh, you know what? I when, think it was the potential. He could have. I think I really he, do. He could have been great. He could, he could have done it, and he failed. And even down to the moment of his death, I, I don't see that there was any bravery there. I mean, he he had the potential, and that's why we have fan fiction. Maybe someone one day, or maybe someone already has, will write the story of Peter Pettigrew where he made different choices, but he didn't. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, so you could look at Peter and Neville and say they're the same character, just with, you know, different Different choices. Yeah. I guess the I question would be, if, we, if anybody would even be, I mean, would you be interested in reading the story, like Pet Peter's thoughts, or do you think that Canon captured it close enough to where we know that he no. was just um, disgusting? Well, here's the thing. I, I think he's, he's disgusting by the end of the book, but I don't think that he's that he started out that l- way. L- let me ask you this. How far mm-hmm. does the ribbon shoe box bring us to? What point in the timeline? Um, have, I don't think... They, do, they do they graduate? Do they graduate? Maybe the hog. So, so we're still in the Hogwarts years. We don't get. Yeah, up. it hasn't gotten there yet. Here's the thing. How far is it going though? Eventually, do we know? I hope to the death. Yeah, the, and yeah, have they haven't updated in a year, right? A year, really? Wow. Been yeah. It's been a yeah, while. they're. It's going to keep going. It, it's just been a while. Well, here's here's the thing. I mean, I can earnestly, earnestly believe that the that the Peter I've read in these chapters was Canon Peter. There's nothing in there that to my knowledge, violates what we knew of Pettigrew. And I could... Right. So when I see Peter Pettigrew now, I'm going to picture, you know, this... This Peter Pettigrew. And my thing is, I don't know how he gets from here to a Peter that would betray the fathers. And we don't know why he does. Was it that he was so badly outcast that he went looking for someone who would appreciate him and was a willing follower of Voldemort? Or was it something? My where... theory is that is that when after school ended, mm-hmm. when they all had to go move their separate ways, Peter was probably just lost. And you know, if James has a job and Sirius has a job and Ramus is trying to find a job and everybody else is doing things, you know, to progress in life, and and Peter is not ready, then you know he's going to be looking for something that's going to 
you know, bring him up to his friend's level. And I think that's probably when the Death Eaters approached him. Because I don't think that you could have gotten to him in Hogwarts and and appealed to him while Ramus and Sirius and what James I were What there. I want to know, though, is did he go willingly or did they threaten him? Because we know Voldemort wanted James and Lily. So did they go? I bet it. I, I bet they got him willingly. Really? Bet that they, well, I think that he was. Well, I think they would have manipulated. manipulated him. I mean, it wouldn't have been like right. going, "Okay, I'll kill my friends." Well, there's the line in the movie. No. There's the line in the movie, uh, prisoner, and we have no idea. Of no, I can't remember if it was Canyon. If it was, I don't know if we can even trust him. But Peter says that you know he implies that, that you know they essentially browbeat them into doing it, and it wasn't his fault. And I don't. I'm curious. I my belief is that they got to him. And I want to know. How, okay, he's he's hero worshiping James Potter, and he ends up betraying him. What changed that? That to me is fascinating. I would love to know that. So, to answer your question, you know, would I want to read that? I would want to know why. I would want to know what turns him into that. And, See, and I personally, I always took is it Minerva who says it quite literally about him um, somewhere in the canon. I think they say something like he's always looking for someone to look up for, right? Yeah. And and I don't think it's that he ever... My impression was always, like, he never stopped caring about James Potter, and he didn't want to uh, kill James Potter, but he wasn't going to do anything to displease Voldemort, because Voldemort was, like, James Potter on a bigger scale, kind yeah. of. Well, that, but that was the character's weakness. Unlike Neville, he always needed someone to be the number one guy. He was always the Jeeves, you know what I mean? He was always the the number two, and yeah, but at least Neville showed potential in some areas. Like he wasn't like Peter has like no hope. He never tried. He's he never tried. Well, but he. I mean, he have no hope. I mean, look what he does in the confrontation with Sirius. He clearly has some ability. You know, he kills what? Yeah. What is it? Fourteen people or something like that. Yeah, he had a lot of repressed anger <laughs> and uh, that kind of. You know. I mean, that's the thing yeah, to me is that Peter. Not- yeah. He can't be totally he can be not as skilled as Sirius really, but he was competent enough to make everyone think Sirius was guilty and to kill a dozen people. He well he brought Voldemort Unless back from the dead. Plus he was under like Imperius. No, he wasn't. He brought Voldemort back from the dead. Yeah, that's I mean, Yeah, that takes a certain amount of yeah. I mean, we're Skill. not we're not talking about you know like extra number four. I mean, he <laughs> he literally brought Voldemort back from the dead. He he probably didn't know how to do it. Like, I can't believe Voldemort left around an instruction manual. If I am ever blown <laughs> up, please you know complete the following thirty seven steps. I mean, so he, <laughs> so he there's has to be some level of intelligence there. I mean, yeah, and what what takes you know a person you know who works you know a dead end job because he never applies himself. For, you know, and someone who's a rocket scientist, what separates them? Is it motivation? Is it raw talent? I'm sure there's a number of factors, but I never got the impression from Shoebox that Peter was stupid, although he did lack imagination. I just got the impression that he just didn't care and didn't try. And I don't know. I like cheese theory, I think, where he gets out and is just totally lost. Um, I think personally, McGonagall should have held him back if toast is all he could manage. Like wh- that was probably the best thing she heard all morning, though. I mean, she wasn't really; they weren't firing on all cylinders. And I know that was—I think that was in last week's podcast. But let's even just back up a little bit. I love that scene because you just have to picture McGonagall starts the day and she's power walking and she's all excited and she's had her morning cup of tea and she gets to her office and by the end of the day she just wants to kill herself. I mean, that was just—I thought that scene was just so great. And 
you know, it really it was great because it got you got to see the motivation of all the characters. I mean, Sirius obviously, you know, wanted to you know marry Minerva right there on the spot, which you know, really, who could blame him? And you had I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and you have and you have you have Remus coming with the twenty seven pages of notes, you know, like circling, you know, is this you know a viable career path? <laughs> Ask Professor McGonagall. Well, we get to see Lily. You, interact. Oh, Lily, like, you want me to beat the crap out of him? And Minerva's like, I didn't hear that. Like, they just related on a totally oh, they have woman... Tea, they have tea together level. once a week. I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Lily Legend. in these chapters. Right. I mean, she starts these chapters, you know, finding out that James did not try and kill Severus Snape. He, in fact, saved his life. And I love James's reaction to that. Last He's, section, isn't it? I think, was that the last section or was that the first section this time? I, no, sure was I think that's the... I re- I got all these things together. That was the first section last time, but um, last section last time. But let's even talk about. It. You know, you have the point where um, where you have uh, James who wants to just marry Dumbledore on the spot, and you have Lily who's now like, all right, and she slowly comes around during these chapters. And she, you were saying this before. You had a disappointment about Lily and Canon, right? Or my yes. Oh, tell us. Yeah, who, I don't. Who, my disappointment in Lily with Lily and Canon is that she's too perfect and too magnetic and, and you know, James is in love with her, we get the sense that Ramus is in love with her. Turns out that Snape's in love with her. I mean, I I don't know. I was just expecting somebody more acerbic, somebody more you know, just a better match for James Potter than what I got. You know, because she seemed she seemed too well put together, if you know what I mean. I do. Just, yeah. just too, you know. But she's so mature in this. Do you feel that from Shoebox? What do you think of Shoebox, Lily? Um. More, it's a lot of the same, right? I mean, I, I like this. I like this Lily. This is the kind of Lily that I would like to read. This very. It's like she's an old you know, soul or something. Yeah, it's like she's an old soul, exactly. And I, I really do think that. I mean, but James is a good cha- is a good match for this Lily, because he challenges her, you know, mm-hmm. and she challenges him, and it's kind of a good. I-, I can see the relationship there. I think I think both James and Lily were fundamentally disappointing to me in canon. Both of them were, both just of them. because, yeah. Why James? Because I, why James? Um, mm-hmm. because you don't get to see what made. James Harry's father. You don't get to see why so many people had so much loyalty to him. You know, you just kind oh. of it, it's you know He's all you know is well, Sirius and Remus were. Yeah, I mean, you just you get to see Snape's view of him, but you don't get to see anybody the view else's. of somebody that loved him. Yeah, have Harry's eyes. Vomit. <laughs> I mean, you look just like your dad. Yeah, exactly. Lame. So, Exactly. I mean, like that's that's part of the problem with with canon is you know if you're if you're looking at it for. But I've I've always complained about things with characterization with Joe. Um, but you know she doesn't she doesn't have to tell a story so, you know none of us are perfect and there are certainly things that that I wish she had done differently or done better and um, absolutely it's like no epilogue. <laughs> 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 well, um, you know, I, I, maybe that wasn't the best. That was very. That would be up what we would call um, self-indulgence writing, um, which I, I what we, in the, what we in the trade time. call self. Okay. Well, 
I mean, like, you know, if you're... It's like writing pure smut. Like, writing pure, pure fluff. Just, you know, with no plot, just kind of very drippy, mushy-gushy stuff that everybody likes to read, like, the first couple times that they go read fanfiction, but after that, it kind of makes you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit. Yeah. That's kind of what that epilogue was like. I was, I was hoping for maybe a little bit more angst, or not so everything's tied up so neatly, because that's not how I saw it going down. But, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's life, and, um... I'm glad that Harry and Jenny got married and have babies. That was kind of, that was my goal mm-hmm. for the whole series. And um, yeah, I I can't stand the Jenny haters. And I know who you are on the forum, and I'm coming after you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, God, Stalin over here continuing to be the head of Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. So funny. I was threatening to throw people off of Ravenclaw Tower think, the other day. But at the people same time, dying. I think that. The reason that people have such a problem with Ginny is not Ginny herself, but the lack of personal characterization Joe gives her. And it's hard to relate to a character that is basically a non-character. Yeah. She's she's very non-character. I mean, yeah, they have, like, what, one great moment in Order of the Phoenix, and then a couple great moments in Half-Blood Prince, and then he pines for, for Deathly Hollows, and then they married and have lots of kids, and it's, I don't know, as a Harry Jenner shipper, I was like... Well, that's anyway, why, that's why back fan- to a shoebox project. Well, that's why you have the fan fiction, because through the fan fiction, you get to hear Jenny's story, and you get to see you know, right. why right. Jenny is a... Now, let's even talk about Lily here, because we just talked about Jenny. Now, Lily literally, like you said, she's an old soul. She you know, has you know, tea with McGonagall every Wednesday. She's authorized by the deputy headmistress of Hogwarts to kick Sirius Black's ass. I mean, she corrects you know, all like the first year's papers. I mean, she's she's literally Wonder Woman and I don't find that to be a problem for some godforsaken reason it actually well, I don't, I don't, I don't see it necessarily I think she Wonder has some very serious flaws I think that she yeah. has some very serious flaws that I think like so for James. she yes. considers falling for James a flaw I think yeah it's well no I don't, I don't consider it falling for James I think that she's too judgmental yeah, she didn't, know, she didn't know what the story was. He's like a 12-year-old. He acts like a 5-year-old. Seriously. Um, well, yeah. But you I mean, have, someone uh, as mature as yes her. No. And yeah. maturity, she's below him. I mean, he's below her. Well, he's, and I think she's... Yeah, but so is everybody else in the school. But I she mean, helps him grow <laughs> up, I think. It's one of those... She needs him around because he lets her relax and, like, shows her that it's okay to be awkward and, and clumsy. And, and it, although she's mature in some ways, she hasn't experienced a lot. And I think right. that in that, they're good for each other. But I think she's awesome for him in terms of growing up and getting away from the boy group. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at, look at James and especially look at Sirius when the Pruitt brothers came to town. And you have, you know, they, 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 like, and I love the introduction of the Pruitt brothers as a character because these are, this is Fred and George's uncle, mm-hmm. Fred and George's two uncles, and this is like the first generation, you know, Weasley, you know, essentially, if you want to look at it that way. And just the, the, the hero worship, you want to talk about Peter worshiping the ground that James walks on. Sirius and, what would Sirius and James offer the dude? They threaten to drop out of school. You know, dress up in little outfits. They, you know, they offer to do little song and dances for the Brewer Brothers. You know, choreographed or non-choreographed. What's your preference? I mean, absolute eternal hero worship. And they're what sixteen, seventeen years old at the time. And it's just, it's like, could you picture Lily doing that? Lily would walk over and probably shoot them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're 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 teenage boys. <laughs> like that's 
yeah, so they're at yeah, the, they're at that transit. Wait. And I want to just say, I don't t- think that's teen, regular teenage boys. I wasn't. I would never do something like that. Really? Serious, serious offering to lick their shoes. As, serious offering I, to lick their shoes. <laughs> I think that there is a very in in certain in, in the stereotype of boys. There's a, a very big line in from where boys go from boys to young adults, and yeah. they are still boys. They're transitioning. Mm-hmm. In these chapters, they're transitioning, and there's lots right. of examples well. of that. I mean, you even see Sirius and James kind of say, they, they, they even back off their their hero worship of the Brew Brothers, even though I love those characters. I love the book. I thought the book was hilarious. Day one. And it just like goes through their entire adventures. I love the way they, they talk. I love it when they're smoking the cigarette and you know trying not to set a bad example. They were just such fun characters. And you know what happens to them, too, so that even makes the whole <laughs> foreboding sound. It's like, oh my god, someone else is going Exactly. Oh, yeah. But you, oh my God! You killed the Pruitt brothers. But yeah, you know, <laughs> like, but even looking forward, okay, all we talked about during the first two podcasts of the series was: do these guys ever wear clothes? They're naked in every scene. When they're not naked, they're talking about getting naked. You have serious <laughs> peeing over the wall. I and, told you it was one of my favorites. Well, well we, we didn't know exactly why, Jen. Then we knew. <laughs> And you even see it now. Obviously, we have the tension of the kiss, which we'll like Jen get to shortly. Wait, Ryan, not to interrupt you. Yes, but am I confused, or are all these things in the chapters from last week? A lot of them are in the chapters from last week. Okay. Well, no, it was. I think some of the stuff from the chapters last week. I don't know if it got discussed. I wasn't relevant today. Yeah. But um, I just wanted to make sure I was. I had read the right section. Well, I think this is the problem we had because the earlier chapters, like in the very like one through ten, even they were like chap just glimpses and now we're finally into the storyline right and, okay. yeah right. but you even see that in those chapters you see um you know the, the marauders go to go skinny dipping and they're like all like covering themselves and Sirius has a leaf and it's like they're afraid it's but la- this time last year it would have been like dum, dum, hands on the waist looking up at the sky standing there peeing in the water and it's 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 a completely different dynamic for them because now you know, Sirius is dating Sophie, and you know James. You know, is still longing after Lily, and it's, it's and you know Sirius and Remus have that tension, and it's just a very awkward moment, like happens with everyone who grows up. You know, things that you used to do all the time aren't fun anymore, and they get awkward, and it hits people at different times. And mm-hmm. it's funny because you see some people awkward and some people not care. Like Peter's walking around, he doesn't care, but James does, and Sirius does, and it's 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 just a different. Well, serious. Well, James really didn't. Serious. Had the, I think that that I, transition I into up. growing up is is difficult for everybody. I think this is one of the beauties of Shoebox is that it does let you see kind of this strange, awkward, beautiful journey from being a teenager into being a young adult, and then you know, even further than that, you know, hopefully someday we get to see how you go from being a young adult to a parent to you know making well, the ultimate choice to. To sacrifice for your son, I think that the journey that it tells is unique and, and sort of. But I think it also is a nice reminder of. I know I think people look back on their childhood and they either cringe or they just say, "Oh well, I was stupid." And I think this brings a certain level of naturalness to it that you can look back and it actually is an age group that everybody goes through. And I love that it's written in the way it is because. It lets you look back at those times and remember and sort of acknowledge that, well, you know, although I was stupid, it's okay because I was feeling all of these things and they were valid at that time in my life. 
And really, who hasn't had chocolate melt in their pockets? I mean, that's a frequent. Seriously. That happened. Seriously. Well, Jen, that, I'm sure that happened to you. That happened times, to me but. yesterday. <laughs> I farm the other day. I was furious. Stupid Olive Garden mints. <laughs> Remus, we love you sure. so much. All right, let's get into the chapters for this week, That's and let's talk about that. favorite moments and plot points, and let's get into. That. I have notes. I'm so. Oh excited. my god, this is so exciting! <laughs> Lady Sheep like brought the notebook. My favorite I did moment. Bring okay, first I, of all, can we just say this? This is Mike. whenever we have Mike in the podcast. I like to do this. Mike, <laughs> welcome. Yeah. What do you think happened this week? <laughs> <laughs> what I think happened in what, what sense? What do you think? Please describe we the plot from me. these chapters. Can you tell us what you think happened? <laughs> what do I think happened? I think we see Lily and James become a couple. Okay. Finally. Well, that was in the book. That was a giveaway, but go ahead. <laughs> I think we see also, we're seeing the um, rise of Voldemort. Like I was going to say, my favorite little bit was um, the kid who got expelled for having a tattoo. And I think the tattoo is clearly the um, dark mark. I don't know anyone else. Oh, I didn't even catch that. I didn't think that either, but that's a really good point. Oh, my God. Mike has come, like, full circle. (laughs) Mike, we're very... I mean, for a couple weeks there, we were like, you know, like crickets in the background. But, oh, that was... Ooh. I'm sure Mike was reading the same story we were. <laughs> we're like, you, we we told them it's shoebox, right? But no, that was... Uh, <laughs> well, no, because you, you get that, because you have the uh, the newspaper article talking about, the, you know, the, the, the mass murderer, you know, who's mm-hmm. out there, and you have, when the Peru brothers return, they start talking to Dumbledore about the stars, and you get the sense that he's in the midst of an order meeting, and he kind of looks at James Lilly and says, get the hell out of here. There, there's things happening, and you get the sense that there are things happening. And... Yeah, it's, it's, you get the sense of that early rise. Now, one thing, because, again, I apologize, Alvin in the chipmunk mode, when Remus goes to the washroom, <laughs> someone explain to me what happened there. Jen? I had no idea who that guy was. Wait, I, you, you went out. What did you say again? When James went, I'm sorry, when Remus went to the washroom, a yes. man comes to That's into that person. What was the? Who was that? Like, He's a, isn't he a little mentioned, um, little mentioned uh, member of the old order? Isn't he kind of lost? Oh. I don't think that's ever explained, but I'm, I'm assuming that's what that was. Either that, or it was a Death Eater trying to work their way around. But I, I think it was a. They were having an order meeting, and. Remus was not supposed to be out and about, and he was. Oh, that's right, and he's asking for directions to Dumbledore's office. Okay. Yeah, just little moments like Get that. It? Yeah, no, I, I completely... Yeah. No, I was wondering if there was something deeper in there, or if, I was, if it was just some random order meeting. But yeah, I mean, it's... um, there you, you get the sense there are things happening at this point in time, and you get the sense that, you know, in the next five chapters, big things are going to happen to these characters. But yeah, you get the sense that that's happening. Okay, so you guess that Voldemort was returning and that James and Lily would one day marry. What else happened in these chapters? Let's see. I like that um, you see a little bit more into the serious black family dynamic because that was kind of not really mentioned at all up until this point. And then we see him with the, uh, you know, the inheritance and that he throws into the fire and he gets his own flat and all of that sort of stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah. I like the tea leaves too, also, which I thought was, I guess, like a throwback to Harry and uh, what's her face? Um, oh, um, Trelawney. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, die, can you, isn't he have that line like, "My tea leaves spell die, Harry die"? 
<laughs> that was that was very unfortunate. That was true, but you know, even the um, you have to just wish that Sirius found a real estate agent. Yeah, because that flat was just scary. Actually, it reminds me a lot of my apartment right now. I was gonna say that because I'm picturing like you know the tube of lotion down the toilet. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was laughing the whole time where they named the cockroach and the. Yeah, <laughs> we did not. We, we did not choose a good. Um, apartment complex to live in this time around we learned our lesson yeah oh and one other thing Sirius comes off really jealous of James also in this section you think like even more I don't know problem. I don't see that you don't see that that he's so jealous of Lily like the line where what's the line like oh yeah really and he gets that jealous look in his Lily, eyes but... yeah you know? I mean, he's yeah. Well, he's not really ready to handle James having another relationship. I think that's kind of just goes to speak for, um, you know, where um, James is, where Sirius is in is, is in, in his maturity level. But I do kind of want to go back and I want to talk about um, if I can Dumbledore's plank prank and how cool that was. Um, I had dip- no <laughs> idea what the hell was going on. It's like the like it's the scene where what was it? It was Narcissa and all of the Slytherins and, and they're, and and they're the wearing Slytherin their nighties and they're like, This is awkward. Does she usually have that much cleavage out in front? Like, this doesn't seem yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that talk and go for it. I th- I thought that scene was fantastic. Me too. I thought that was hilarious. And Narcissa and uh, Narcissa is the only one going, Wait a minute. Something is not right. And uh, the the pumpkins attacking James and Lily. Oh, yes. my God. We can that t- was so Well, funny. no, when they, when she turned them into rabbits, and she's like, oh, they're bunny rabbits. I just saw a Monty Python spam a lot. I'm like, get away from the rabbit. The rabbit is never a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's like, from the, the rabbit. rabbit is going to eat you. <laughs> well, no, it just so happens. I'm on this huge, um, I've been on this huge John Candy kick for the last year. And uh, Danielle and I bought all of his old movies, and we watched them all. And there was one movie I didn't have, which I just got for uh, for Christmas this year. And actually, hang on a second. I'm just going to add Jen back. Who is John Candy? You don't know who John Candy is? Oh, well, maybe I do if I know. Um, he was in Home Alone. He was in uh, The Great Outdoors. He I thought was that was Uncle mm, Buck. What's his name? Culkin? Culkin? No, John Candy was the big. Do you remember the um the the guy? Oh, hang on. Let me just get. Uh, Been so long. Since he, I, I get him mixed up with um Chris Farley a lot. Oh no, he. Um, I know who Chris Farley. He is. was the guy from Home Alone, the first movie. He was the he was the musician who drove the mother home. He was in Cool Runnings. He was in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He was in The Great Outdoors. He was in Uncle Buck. I don't think I've seen any of those movies besides Home Alone. I don't remember him in that one. I've seen Home Alone. Welcome back, Jim. Um, <laughs> hang on, let me get. No, this is. Um, People don't know who John Candy is, so I'm going to put a... Uh... Wait, he's that big guy. Yeah, I'm putting his uh, photo in the um, Skype chat room here. Everyone grab it. <laughs> sure, why not? Sorry, sure. guys. I don't okay. trust this Ryan person. I think he's sending me a virus. I don't want to save it. I just want to open it. Well, you know who John Candy is. You don't even have to. Oh, I know. <laughs> 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 Oh, that's like the smallest picture ever. It's the only one that was sent. Isn't he in the Blue Brothers? Whatever. Do you recognize the him Blues now? Brothers. He was in Home Alone. Yeah. Oh, Mike. he was the band dude. Yeah. Do you remember him now, Mike? I'm. Hold on, it's loading. The polka guy. Yeah. Polka. Why did that sound here? <laughs> remember the polka van that they got a ride home with? That's been. 
Oh, I know who that dude is. Yeah. yeah. So I'm on this big John. Can- I'm on this big John Candy kick. And Jen, we're talking about the Halloween scene. I'm on this- How did we get on this? Um- I'm on. I'm on this big John Candy kick. So I had on my Amazon wish list the last movie I wanted of his was a movie called Delirious, and in Delirious, John Candy plays a um, a producer of a soap opera, a re- really corny soap opera, and he is in love with one of the stars of the soap opera. And he's going to go away with her for the weekend because she broke up with her boyfriend who plays one of the actors in the soap opera. And long story short, he get he injures himself and he wakes up in a hospital room and he is in his own soap opera. He wakes up and it's it's it takes place in a small town, you know, and, and the cast members of the show are, are like the doctor and the in the in the in the you know the members of the rich family and you know like the the, 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 the mayor and all these people. So he wakes up and he's in his own show. And he doesn't know what's going. All he can say is like, "I've gone to hell," and I, and, you know, my my punishment is living for eternity in my own show. And he discovers that if he t- if he writes on his typewriter like a script, those things will happen. And like, if mm-hmm. he's, and if he's like, he's really drunk one night, and he he writes that he went to a party and he tries to write, you know, they refilled the bar with cold beer, but he types cold deer, and like, there's deer talking around, <laughs> like it's like because it, he's writing the whole thing. And there's a scene where he wants to, to um, spend some time. I do. He wants to spend some time <laughs> alone with with the girl he's after, and her father is there and her brother is there and he's like I'll take Rachel home and the father like the patriarch of the family is like I will take Rachel home and then she, he's like damn it but I can't father why can't you take her home because the cable guy's coming and I have to leave right away and he's like you take her home to his son and he's like I can't take her home either why can't you take her home I have to get my tires balanced why do you have to do it now I don't know. And he runs away. <laughs> and then the father, it's played by the guy who played Perry Mason. He's like, what the hell is going on here? As he's running to his car because he has to rush home because <laughs> the cable guy's coming. And it just reminded me of this scene because I just literally watched this movie three days ago. And it's like, you know, Narcissa is there, you know, like brushing her hair or whatever. And they're all wearing this flimsy, you know, neither time. And I'm picturing them with the pillows. And when the, and when the pillows, you know, break, you know, the, you know, like all of the feathers go everywhere and, you know, there's <laughs> cream involved and, I'm, and they're like what the hell is going on here when the hell has she had that much cleavage and it's just it, it was so funny just like the what the hell what the hell and yeah. and Jen you missed this from before but um, I yeah. did just see Monty Python spam a lot and I've trusted that rabbits can be very dangerous so when she turned when she turned the uh, killer pumpkins into rabbits that was not a good thing and I did see the danger <laughs> Okay, good thing we cleared that up. So talk about that scene, guys. What do you think about that scene? The one with the bunnies or the whole... Oh, the, um, whole, the whole... What are we talking about? The whole Halloween scene. The whole double doors prank oh, and the whole... it cracks me up every time I read this story. Oh, my gosh. And I forget that it's funny. The funniest huh? part? Because um... I really think it has to be James, James and Lily and the pumpkin, the blowing up pumpkins, the fiery pumpkins of hell. Yeah are the funniest thing I've ever read. Like, I think it's so much better than the Remus serious plot line. I thought the start yeah. of the Remus one was funnier with the tea leaves. And then I thought, then the Yeah. Oh, that's right. The corridor. That's so much better than my, you're going to die. <laughs> well, I just like the continued use of, this doesn't seem right. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just raining outside. We haven't even had dinner yet. 
can't die yet. It's like 4.30 in the afternoon. And it's just like the news. And, this, and when they get to the library and there's the dark shadowy figure there, and was it Sirius who charged at it and like kicked it in the shins? It was just like, yeah. it's like how to resolve a crisis. It's like. That's how I get in haunted houses, though. I get, I get like, I don't just get mad. I get like, get the hell away from me. Well, no. <laughs> like I, I react violently to being scared. I'm very much a serious type character. I did get in trouble in a haunted house once for telling someone to get their effing hands off of me. <laughs> <laughs> get like, get the f away from me. Yeah, because he was following us. Okay. We went with, um, there was three of us, and I refused to be in front, and so we were all holding hands going through this this whole haunted house, because that's how you do it, you know? Because yeah. you don't, you don't want to be, like, wandering through a haunted house by yourself, and um, it's in downtown Kansas City, and which is a scary neighborhood, by the way. This and uh, downtown, in downtown Kansas, oh, yes. Kansas City. <laughs> downtown Kansas City is, is not a nice they, place. Anyway. Just, okay. Yeah, it's like it's like downtown Dallas. You just don't go there after dark. Anyway, um, so we were like wandering around, and um, he was like this guy was just like freaking following us, and you know they they can um, it's a it's an over eighteen haunted house, so they can yell profanities at you, and they can whatever, and so he was like in my face, and they can't touch you, right? Legally, they can't touch you, right. but if you touch them, they can touch you. Um, but he was like right in my face and he wouldn't go away. He was like following me like two inches away from my face. So I, I told him where he could stick it. <laughs> that is horrible. Because uh, I thought it was mean. I was like, get away from me. I'm already freaked out. <sighs> I hate haunted Are you a freak out? Like, are you like, to me, James and Lily were how I get scared. Like, Sirius and L- L- Remus, they were like gung-ho about like well Sirius was like I'm gonna find out what's going on but James was like holding Lily close like I'm so scared well I loved it when Lily had her um her moment that Macaulay Culkin had in the first Home Alone movie where she's like I'm not afraid anymore and she grabs her wand and she decides we're taking on the killer pumpkins no the best part is where she's explaining to him that they're holding hands but it doesn't mean anything other than there are pumpkins blowing up (laughs) grabbing his hand and he's just like giddy (laughs) I just love the continued references to Kingsley throughout these chapters and how his bald head illuminates the way and just like (laughs) it's just just like there was even a line in there I can't even remember what it was but he was doing something ridiculous but Kingsley made it look good just because Kingsley (laughs) was doing it it didn't look at all awkward it's just the way he's described and then James compared to him like James is trying to pass himself off as like this very sporty figure and like you have Lily just poking him in the stomach going see it's it, it moves it shakes it's like jelly. so his story did y'all get a kick out of that he was like it was a dark and stormy night and i was holding my six back <laughs> <laughs> and she's like all you have is mush and then she, you know oh. it was like the pillsbury doughboy that kind of moment yeah, yeah. <laughs> that all teenage boys kind of see themselves as Kingsley, and they all are kind of like James. <laughs> exactly. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Well, then you have Remus who's walking around. This doesn't seem right. <laughs> seems <laughs> odd here. Right here. And then you have just like uh-huh. the like the like then you like fade away to black, and you come back to Peter who is still eating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I felt so 
so that, and again, I felt yet another like teacher slash administrator has failed this poor boy. Like Dumbledore's like, wow, you are so boring. I've never seen anyone <laughs> fail this test. You're so uninteresting with no imagination. I'm going to give you pity points because wow. It's so impressive. You're that stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. It's horrible. Dumbledore started the second Voldemort War right there. I know. Thanks a lot. You and your stupid candy. Well, I love the moment, too, with um, Sirius and and Remus. And he's like, I think we're about to die. I have to tell you, I I got chocolate. What was it? I got chocolate all over your favorite sweater. Oh, he's like the one with the the thumb holes, the green one. Yeah. Um, well, we may not die after all, so let's not talk about this anymore. <laughs> I just thought that was such a great moment. I just thought it was so... The whole thing was just so freaking ridiculous that, like, I just... It was. It was you know what? It was so tongue-in-cheek and just so funny that, like, it, it, and it's just like, have you ever been to the Muggle Cinema? They put these characters in the strangest possible situations. I'm like, yeah, you're talking about... Well, I just love that Remus is figuring it out. Like, that's exactly yeah. what Dumbledore was trying to do. And Rames is like, well, it must be this. Like, I would have never put two and two together. I would have been freaking out with my boyfriend with the pumpkins. Yeah, that would have been me. No, actually, I would have been I would have been a Sirius or a Ramus. I would have been... What is yeah. this? Yeah, what is I this? I just love like, that the tea leaves... <laughs> I liked how the tea leaves were described. Like, how they would shake it and it would be like... You're gonna die, and they'd shake it again, and like you won't live very much longer. Like you know, they were like different ways of saying. I thought that's really interesting way to read the tea leaves. That's pretty cool that that they're smart enough to to be able to excel in divination as well. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. I just I just think the whole thing itself, just like right down the story, it was just so. And it's just like, in, in, you're right. It's just the character of Peter too. It's like Dumbledore will go by and say, "Like, have you been? Have you been to the Muggle cinema?" And then it's a point where Peter can explain how his crazy mother will let him touch the Muggles because he might get rabies. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like, it's so. And I love it. It's just, it's so freaking. It is so funny. Well, I just have to chime in too. Just, I, I think this is this is the chapters from last week, but I'm not sure if you guys got to it. Just the moment where. Um, Mrs. Pettigrew discovers that Peter's sock smells like sex. It makes him take it's a shower. It's not a sock, that's why. Uh, you know, you didn't put yeah, the it's like the condom. Where did the condom come from? <laughs> that was a condom? Rubber, a rubber it was a yes, condom. It was a condom. I, am, I missed the word rubber. That was chapter 14. They, they don't say rubber. They say, but it, it must have been no, a sister sock. They say it's a rubber sock, yeah. Did they say rubber? But he said it's too small to fit one of my sister's feet, so he didn't know where it came from. And she didn't know yeah. where it came from? Well, it was an obvious, I, without coming out and saying it, it was a condom. Yeah. Wow, am, I am like the Mike of this video. <laughs> That's awful. I was going to say, way to go, Mike. <laughs> I am like number... Hold Mike, on. you don't have to take this. <laughs> a very small rubbery song. He's the of all oh. jokes. <laughs> Mike is being Jen tonight. Usually we I'm make vicious vicious fun group. of Jen. And I know. You know it's- oh, I am. I can't believe it. Well, I can always edit that out of the episode so people don't have to hear that. <laughs> no, you have to. You're not editing, it. though. Jen's editing. You have to it in, yeah. She sends me the completed episode for my final stamp of approval. <laughs> I think this is too funny. Oh, God. Okay, so what else? So we've done Halloween. What else happened in these chapters? Uh, I have a question. Um, what do you got, Mike? Is 
to get back to the serious jealous of James and Lily, mm-hmm. is that supposed to be just be because she's taking James's time, or is it supposed to be because he's secretly gay and he has a crush on James? I think it's more because no, uh, he doesn't have a crush on James. Please don't look at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> be nice. I, 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 I mailed you a gift and it was lost by the post office. <laughs> I hate the post office. All right, Jen. Um, see, you were saying. Oh, I just think it's because Lily's taking James's time. I really don't think that everything is about them being gay. You know, oh, I, I, it, I really I don't acknowledge. Think so. it. What do you think? Of, I, I just, I just have to say this. What do you think of? Um, I just, I'm gonna say it again. What do you think of Sirius and Sophie kissing? And he cries out Remus's name, and she says, "I was thinking the same thing." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds something I would do. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I like it. But it makes me wonder because I never thought that she would like Remus like that. It just, but it made me go, "Wow, she is a little French tart." (laughs) (laughs) I'll do offense to both. both, Actually, I'm not even going to go there. But But she is French, and she's a little tart. Yeah, tart is the not word. Not that all we apologize to all the French. We don't think that about you most of the time. But yeah, a lot of the time we do. Well, the little the little dusting person from Beauty and the Beast doesn't help. <laughs> Is he a guy? No, he was the candlestick, the candle one that he get, yeah. one that he got it on with. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Crack <laughs> me up, Jen. Wow, wow. So I want to I want to go to um, part seventeen, which is the Sirius's birthday party, because there is so much in this chapter that I love. Which, oh, this you is, know, there's drama in this one and angst, and a fight. there is drama and angst and a fight. Is it seventeen or is it um, seventeen? My birthday. Uh, seventeen no, is the birthday. Seventeen is. The I think this is the one that he's like making out with all the girls and getting yeah. naked, like yeah. all the pictures. <laughs> Man, this is a wild yeah. birthday party. It is a wild birthday party, but yeah, <laughs> I was coming. I've been. To, I had to go to college. I haven't had a birthday party. What was the reference <laughs> in there too? To he got he got angry that they didn't have a party from last year, and Peter's like, "Well, technically, last year you were banished by your family. We didn't think you felt like partying." So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like. I, we, think that you felt very party ee. <laughs> well, the saddest part is the whole the letter. Let's talk about the letter. Okay. He gets the letter full of money. And Remus takes on a side which I consider a very logical side. But Sirius blows up at him. But because I don't think anybody other than James would understand. Understand what? Why, why do you think? Well, I I know, but why do you think only James would understand? Just because of their. Well, because yeah, because I think that they're very much like brothers, and I think that that although they're silly and goofy all the time, I think what makes them close is that they can share a, a um, understanding of of seriousness. No, excuse the pun with each other yeah. about serious topics and I think that's what makes them good friends is because they know those little the little secrets about each other and well, they well, understand and, that uh, James has, is the other pure blood yeah. James is the other pure blood he grew up in the same society as Sirius Black whether or not he you know him and his parents ascribed to the ideals 
they're probably moving in the same circles. So it's not so much of a pure blood issue, though. It's more of yeah. I didn't really see it that you know, way. It is, it's like Remus always has that little bit of Hermione in him in terms of how do you deal with a situation. This is an emotional issue for Sirius. Sirius is banned. Like he lived in that role as that person for so long and he was banished by these people and there is a lot of anger there not because of the fact that he was banished but based on the fact that he he was there and he got out and he got away from that and now that keeps coming back into his life and he wants it gone i see that and it's 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 it's, it's for anyone who ever has you know bad feelings towards their family it's it's it it's not logical. It's not reasonable. It's it's just pure anger. And you have Remus, who looks at everything logically. His, his solution is, well, how much money is there? And he says it because he doesn't know what else to say. But, right. you know, is this something where you'll keep them... Like, for all you know, you could you could donate it to your muggles or whatever. I mean, you could... You could it, it, we're going to handle this logically, and that is not what Sirius needs. Right, seriously, just rather throw it in the fire. He uses a word that I really don't like, though. <laughs> like, okay. and this is not the weirdest thing about this story. Skate. No, not skate. It's fine. It's just that the, he uses the c word, and I absolutely hate that word. It like That's literally true. threw me out of the. But you don't think he would use that word? I think that he would. I just I and I, there's nothing wrong with it, you know. Um, you know him using it in a situation. It's just it, it literally gives. I have like a violent reaction to it. I don't... I mean, I just... It kind of makes me... Well, it's not a nice word in regards to girls. You know what I find, too? And not not only that, there's some... For people who swear, there's some words that you never use. (laughs) It's almost like you keep them in reserve, not for even any intention of, you know, what they signify (laughs) or what they mean. There's, like, things that you just don't do that you accept if you've absolutely lost all control. Right. I think the fa- I I saw the fact that that word was used basically just because of the fact that Sirius was pushed that far. That right, was just right. I mean, like I swear a lot, and I've never used that word. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's part of my swearing is part of my every every vernacular. And I think that Sirius is probably a lot like me in that situation. I can probably see myself calling somebody that if it was like an extreme situation. So, like, I think that they use that word. I think it's the only time this word appears in the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes, it kind of makes a point about the, I mean, this is what, this is what swear words are for. To, to make a point about something, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, like yeah, when, I think that they used it well. And I, but I did want to bring it up because it's kind of a, kind of a shocking word, I guess. Yeah. Just, but anyway, that's probably just me. <laughs> Well, no, it is. I mean, that's a good point. You know, what do we think of... I just want to move this towards um, Sirius and, and Remus themselves. Just the yeah. entire arc that they take over these chapters is obviously... It comes to a head um, during the fight, the physical fight. But, um, you know, there's there's many different ups and downs and, and highs and lows with it. What does everyone think? Just I knew this was going to be a slash fic, and... We have five chapters left, and I'm sure it can progress very heavily in those five chapters. I wasn't sure how it would be handled. I didn't know if it would be handled, because I haven't... I'll even jump out of here. I have never read the Slashback. This will be my first. And um, isn't it wonderful? I'm, I have a podcast on fan fiction, and I've, I'm like, this is the first time I've ever read... Blah, 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 blah. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> it's all because of Jen. 
But, you, you know, when you... It really is. But when you think of it, I, I didn't know how... And I'm sure many different authors take it many different ways. I didn't know if this would be, you know, Sirius comes to grips with the fact that he's gay. I didn't know if it would be something where Sirius is bisexual and he, you know, likes girls. But this is just something with, with, with Remus himself that, you know, is causing the, you know him to, you know, to, you know, feel this way about someone else. And it's... I like the way it's it's handled so far in that you like obviously you have you have Sirius kiss Remus and you have you know instantly after that see I have a good summer and there's no mention of it ever made it's like it which shall be not be named or whatever the hell they they say about it and they try and write it off and they try and make explanations for why this happened and you know excuse after excuse after excuse but when you look at the characters over these chapters there, there, there's. When you look at how the characters react, like this is you know the perfect example with the leather. Each of them brings something that the other one really doesn't have. It's emotion versus logic, and it's maturity versus um, I don't want to call it lack of maturity, but the the, the let's say the well no let's say the, the the differences in maturity between them because while Remus on the surface is the more mature one you could make a very good argument that in fact it's Sirius who's Sirius. the more mature one and each of them like let me even put it this way you can tell that there's a deepness between the characters when you look at what happens in chapter 20 I think it's chapter 20 when they have the uh, the fight between um, the, the wolf and between Padfoot and they're mm-hmm. laying and they're laying thereafter and you see the color drain from Remus's face because they're both bloodied and Remus is petrified that he just turned his best friend into a werewolf. And Remus eventually, you know, comes out because Sirius eventually says, well, you know what? The f- I think the first time we did this, you, you scratched or you bit uh, Padfoot and everything was fine. So it'll be fine. Oh, okay. And you kind of calm down from there. But you didn't even get the sense that Sirius cared at all. Like, Whether he was, yeah, he, Sirius very well was thinking. You could, it, the wheels turned in my head that Sirius is laying there thinking, yeah, you might turn me into a werewolf, but you know what? If that's okay for you, that's okay for me. If you can handle that, I can handle that. And it was just the, it was the reaction the characters had right there. That let me just see back. You know, it was the reaction that the characters had right there. I don't know, that's just, that one little moment in the end of chapter 20 showed me so much about the relationship. I'm curious what you guys think of just the way the, the relationship progressed in these chapters. I I do, before we go into that, I do want to say that I think, I like the comment that you said that you could even argue that Sirius could be the more mature. Yeah. I think in the birthday scene when Remus, when Sirius stomps off to the bedroom and Remus is left noticing how much money it is, more money than he could probably, you know, his family had or blah, blah, blah. And he picks up all the packages and he goes in and he apologizes. To me, it was so odd because I got the sense that it was sort of like, that was a very parental thing to do. And it made me think about Sirius's character and, you know, the how the characters interact with each other at times. And I think, I think at times Sirius needs Remus to, to, to be the to be the parent figure without being the parent you know Sirius is the I mean Remus is the one that had to go apologize Remus is the one that chose to be calm about that he chose he he, he said you know this is Sirius's birthday and I'm going to do what I can to be mature about this and not make this a fight because obviously 
this is very very upsetting to him but anyway i i do want i did want to bring up that i i had written in my notes that i had thought that remus seemed very parental in that scene rather than he certainly did but let me ask you this I, I was. I even meant it the other way. What would you say if I said that you can make a case that Sirius is the more mature of the two? I think. I think that's absolutely founded. I think in some ways Sirius has had to grow up a lot faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go and you run away and you accept the responsibilities of being an independent, even if you have to depend on the help of other friends, when you lose that familiarity with family and, um, you know, the feeling of belonging. Mm-hmm. You grow up in, in some ways. You have to because you can't survive. And but in, in some ways, Remus is the more mature. He's the more focused. You know, he's the. I would straight say arrow. Remus is the more steady. Steady. I wouldn't constant. say necessarily that. Yeah, he's more. He's more consistent. I wouldn't say that Remus is more mature. I think at this point, there well, are things that each of them handles better. There are things that each of them handles better than the other one. I think Remus is more emotionally mature. It's just that Sirius has experienced more. But I don't think experience necessarily means you deal with it more maturely. I think he certainly had more emotional upheaval in his life. Well, even then, Lupin has the whole werewolf thing. So I, I don't know. Well, look at the... I mean, look, it's interesting because some of the themes that just from the conversation I didn't even think of when I was reading it, you have the theme of hero worship. And you see how Peter treats James and, to an extent, Sirius. And you see how James and Sirius themselves treat the Peru brothers. And um, when you look at the, you know, in terms of, you know, define maturity, define the maturity of a character. Okay, look at Sirius. He is mature enough as a 17-year-old boy to receive all this money, and the first thing he wants to do is burn it. And you look at, when you look at Sirius himself, look at everything he's done in these chapters. He has, you know, fought valiantly for the hand of Minerva McGonagall. And, <laughs> you know, he has made it his goal in life to kiss every woman in the school. And you just look at the carefree way in which he lives his life, and, you know, he wants to be a curse breaker because it sounds cool. And, there, you know, there's a lot of consideration made to the fact that he is, you know, Fred and George on acid, and he is this just, you know, extremely you know, joking, you know, fun-loving guy so separated from the character who, you know, will spend 13 years in Azkaban prison. But when you think about it, yeah, I mean, he's essentially Harry. He's an orphan, essentially. He's been cast away from the blacks, and, you know, he's got his own... He's, you know, still a student. He has his own flat, and, you know, it reminds me of the Shrieking Shack. I mean, you know, he, he has to go out and do all this by himself. But then look at the role of of Remus, and... Let me even back up. Okay, Remus and Sirius. Sirius kissed Remus. Like, yeah, I was like, just going to say, even though Sirius kissed Remus, my impression is that Lupin's the one that recognizes that he has feelings for Sirius, while Sirius doesn't consciously recognize that yet, if you follow what I'm saying. Well, I think the Actually, fact... I, I, th- think, no, I, think, I think that Sirius that, has got it. No, I think I think I, when you yell out Remus when you're kissing a French chart, well, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's I think he he should know, but my impression is he's kind of um, suppressing it. Like he, if you oh, he's definitely him, suppressing it. And suppressing. what I'm getting is like if you asked him on, well, I'm saying like if you asked him on a lie detector test, do you like Lupin? I think he could pass the lie detector test because he would honestly, he thinks he doesn't think of, about Lupin that way. No, whereas Lupin's suppressing it because he doesn't want to be, you know, the one to. Initiation wants Sirius not to like him, blah blah blah. But he knows 
those feelings are there. If you follow, what I'm I saying. no, I would argue, I would argue that that, that Ramus that Sirius knows and is not making a move because he feels that Ramus would not be very accepting of it. I think that um, what's going on is that uh, just Ramus is uh, Sirius is very uh, he's very he's a very corporeal person. You know, he's he's touchy-feely. You, you notice that a lot. Like, he and James wrestle, and he's always touching Ramus, and he's, you know, he's very, you know, this is my body, and he's he's very inside of himself, whereas Ramus is very intellectual and inside of his mind, and very, you know, turns things over, and that's why the physical attraction is so uncomfortable for him, whereas Sirius just kind of sees it as, this is just one more part of me. Do you see what I'm saying? Like that's kind of how I see Ray Sirius seeing it. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's certainly that level of you know conscious denial for both of them, but I think they both get it because as soon as they agree, well, no, if you think about it though, if you think about it, Sirius is the one to kiss, but Remus is the one to bring it up. So there's that level on both of them. I don't know. I think on the surface, you're supposed to see Zach Morris and Screech. You're supposed to see, you know, loud, jockey, you know, guy who wears, you know, a dog collar around his neck who, you know, is the bartender, you know, during something. You're supposed to see this very, very loud guy and the computer nerd. And it's not. That's not, that's on the surface, but that is not who the characters truly are. So it's, it's just a very, um... It's a very deep dynamic that we're on chapter 20 now, and we're starting to get that. And we're starting to get how much alike they are and how compatible they are, where maybe I didn't see that weeks ago. And you didn't really see that in the... Well, you don't really see it in the canon as much, because Sirius is so changed by the time you get to the canon. But, I don't know, I just... I, I really, really like the interaction between them, especially the fight they had. You know, the, you have you know the whole thing with the ink bottle, and you have, you know... Remus pulling Sirius back, and you know, it's just just the differences between how they handle situations, you know, whether it be guidance counseling or whether it be, you know, fighting or whether it be love or whether it be secrets, it's how they handle a situation. And there's times when they're incredibly compatible and they're the only people in the world for each other, and there's times when rationale doesn't work well and you have to be emotional. And I, I don't know. I think that it's interesting that this relationship is so well written that we can all have we can all read the same story and have three different takes on it. Doesn't like to me, that's kind of a yeah, it's absolute life. It's just very, you know, it it feels like that to to me is the definition of a good story. If I can come away from a story that Jen has recommended to me and I can say, oh, well, did you think (laughs) such and such and such about this? And she goes, oh, well, I've never thought of it that way. I was thinking of it, you know, such and such a way. You know, to me, that's a, that's a sign of a good story and good writing. Just in that, there's so many different facets of it that everybody's going to come away with a slightly different take of of what they're trying to do and, and that kind of well, stuff. We can and I think that, it. Well, yeah, it's like right, for, exactly. In, in my case, I gave Mike all my Babylon Five CDs, and he's almost done with the show. And he there's this one character of the show that he is absolutely obsessed with, and he's like, and <laughs> you can tell that he thinks it's the story of that character. And I'm like, well, yeah. I guess if you want to look at it, but you could. I mean, there's there's so you could see this as the tale of Remus. You could see this as the tale of Sirius. You could see this as the tale of a group about to die and how they get. I mean, there's so many different uh, layers to this. And yeah, I mean, you can't get that with a lot of stories. There's the way the author wants you to see it, and that's really it. 
and mm-hmm. it's it's really which was so what was so great about after the end too after yeah. the end and I think um, there was one other one that we've done that was kind of this way you're like not another two where you know we would all read it and we would none of us were going oh exactly we were always going oh well I thought of it this way and we were all right it was just different yeah, yeah. different ways to see the same thing so. And then there's the seventh so. Horcrux, which was you know the, the original draft of Deathly Hallows. So there, there was some stuff in there too, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't say enough good things about that relationship. I just I just think it's so well crafted, so well written, and it just you know where it's going, and I think the characters know where it's going, and it's just it, I don't know. It's and just you know, and you you know talk about you know so many different layers between the characters. You have the theme of. Um, hero worship. You have the theme of um, I don't want to call it neglect, but you have characters putting characters down. You, you know, everyone puts down mm-hmm. Peter in these chapters, and you see where that eventually leads the character. Everyone puts Remus down in these chapters. How many times did they describe the size of his nose, or you know, the chocolate on the back of his pants? I mean, he's just a pathetically <laughs> awkward person. But well, he's described like an old man. I think. Yeah, he's, and it's the one. Th- scene, it was in last week's episodes that really got to me, was when Sirius got um, the, the horse for his birthday that ended up what, like ended up biting him or something. He got the, you know, yeah. this, this very... Ex- yeah, and he got like the like the, like the the sword with all of the, you know, gemstones in it. He got all these gifts. And Remus got a record. And there's even a line where Sirius is like, you got a record. Like, he, he like he's shocked that people would get records for their birthdays. And there's a there's a two different layers to Remus's response. The first layer is um, his pride in it. He was proud of it. He's like, well, it was a double sided record, and he's explaining how that's a really good thing. But on the other level, there's um, there, there's a sense of vulnerability there that he is trying to defend this thing. It's a good gift. I mean, it's not like a gift you got. I know you got a pony, but you know, it's 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 decent. You should make fun. No, it, it, it's so sad because it's like the poor kid trying to justify the fact that his parents still did okay by him and he was happy with that and it's just so mm-hmm. sad that you knew that this this one thing meant a lot to him but he was also on some level probably ashamed of it on some level he was probably very private it's like that one just like little moments like that it just it's, it's something everyone can relate to and it makes the character so real well, I, think so. That, I think one of the themes especially with lupin is uh insecurity yeah you know just that mm-hmm. um I think you see that in, in the gift giving, which is what reminded me of that. Not just the gifts he gets, but the gifts he gives. How he always gives a book, but mm-hmm. he spends months worrying over what he'll get. Like months thinking about this and planning gifts, but in the end, and I put it not that he doesn't know what to get serious or James or whoever, but that he's not, he's too insecure that his gift will be a good gift, that he just falls back on books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like he's afraid. I agree. It's like fear. He's agreed to step out. Yeah, don't. It's like you're afraid to try. It's it's like it, it, it's at the same time. I think that they encourage him to. I think that's part of the appeal of Sirius's character. Well, how much? Well, yeah. it, it is. I mean, Sirius certainly encourages him to think outside the box, and he certainly does. I mean, you know, the, the point where you know he just, um, you know, he goes up to get the fire whiskey for the party to prove that he's not just a prefect. I mean, there's there's points where he does step up beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. Label, but yeah, yeah, he just stepped on his own. But it's yeah, he's so he's he he's, yeah, he's the guy that was good, but could have been great, but he never really had that self confidence level, and he and he gained you know Sirius gives him so much of that, 
and there, there's just the, I've said it a thousand times that they compliment you. Like I love, I'm seriously like trying to get them to go on a date together, but it's like the, <laughs> yeah. it's like they, the, 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 the just the two characters compliment each other extremely well. Well, I think that's the reason that I, Remus did get prefect. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's yeah because he's so. I don't know because insecure is not quite the word because I think he's very secure in his mind. Do you? He's just not socially very insecure. insecure. He's socially yeah. insecure, but I think he knows what he wants, and I think that he works hard to achieve what he wants. Well, like the whole. See, I don't think he does. I think he's in terms of what he wants socially. He wants. He knows what he wants, but he's too afraid to get it. Like he wants to be. He wants. Like I think. He doesn't think he. I, well, I think what I you're think trying to he, say is he doesn't reach. He doesn't try for expectations. He doesn't think he can get. Or more than that, mm-hmm. he wants. I think serious. Part of him wants serious to view him as serious views James. I think part of him wants to be like serious and like James, and, and that socially, in the so- sense that he wants to be that socially at ease, and he's afraid mm-hmm. to try. For that, it's the same thing Peter wants. Peter wants to just be like them, give me whatever they got. I mean, look, well, this, right. this Peter, I think, doesn't seem to care much. Well, he, no, he does, for class, just give me. I want to be like James. I want to be like Sirius, and he that's yeah. Yeah, that's, he, that's just really what he wants. And you know, does does but Re- isn't that how people choose friends anyway? Well, yeah. I mean, but- here's the thing. Re- I, I believe in you know in this that James, I'm sorry that Peter is just with the wrong group of friends. James, you know Peter needs people who bring out things. Who ins- let me even back up. I think if Peter were friends with groups of people who inspired him to bring out parts of himself, then things would have worked out very differently. I'm not saying it's any of the Marauders' faults, but he wants to be so much more like them but based on his own personal choices and just based on what they see in him it doesn't work it's like a bad relationship and it just doesn't go anywhere over the years and it just doesn't really suit any of them if that makes any sense but if you look at the character of just like what you said look at look at Remus look at look at uh, uh, Peter Peter wants so desperately to be a bigger part of this group. I don't see Remus as wanting so desperately to just to fit in more. I see him as someone who fears that he won't, so he doesn't try almost. And it's like the same thing with Peter when you look at you know your choice. Now, you know, over the summer when I was reading this, I was trying to figure out what was Remus's motivation for not wanting to go to Peter's house. Originally, I thought it was because of the full moon and just an embarrassment that he didn't want to, you know, have to go there. If there was a full moon while he was there, he'd have to be locked up or chained or whatever. And I thought it had something to do with that. As it turns out, it really didn't. I think it just had to do with, you know, fear of acceptance, fear of, you know, do I have enough money to get, to get there or, you know, whatever the circumstances may be. It, it was just this level of, you know, pull me away from the group because you don't feel like you're going to fit in there so I'll just stay home all summer and read my books and it was sad it was it was very sad and they obviously wanted him there so badly well, I think yeah. I think at the end of the day the difference between say Peter and Lupin is I think emotionally they both want to be more like Sirius and James but I think intellectually Lupin doesn't like, I think Lupin rationalizes like well you know logically I don't really want to be like this I want to do this this and this and whereas Peter just sort of Peter doesn't uh, have the intellect to fall back on. Exactly, I think. 
That's the word. Well, Peter wants well, to be I, a superhero. I'm sorry, Peter wants to be a superhero. And Sirius really James doesn't. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I keep. Do- I've been doing that since the first one. I keep doing it long after this one. P- um, James wants to be a superhero. Peter wants to be James. Remus wants to be something that Sirius won't laugh at. And Sirius wants to marry Minerva McGonagall. Doesn't care. Well, I don't mean in terms of their job. I mean in terms of no. I'm just saying in terms of what they want in life. James wants to live in the James wants to live in the moment. Uh, Peter wants whatever everyone else wants. Uh, Remus wants to not be laughed at and to you know find a place to be accepted. And Sirius doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sirius definitely doesn't know what he wants. That's that's that much is obvious. But I don't think but, he um, wants to know either. No, he doesn't want it. No way. He doesn't much rather... Sirius is the one with the most Peter Pan complex, I think. Yeah. I think so. Which is why I think in future chapters what happens hits him the hardest in some ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think that we can talk more about that next time. Yeah, I know. It's really (laughs) awkward because from now until the end of the story, the characters go through a lot. They change a lot. And so it's hard to be like, oh, these these few chapters, yeah, they're transitioning, but they're not as transitioning now as they will be. And it's so much more, there's still kids here. There's still, like, this is like the last final moments before the storm hits. Right, right. Before their life really starts taking a crazy, crazy turn. Newts, yeah. everybody. Those newts are just very oppressive <laughs> and they just really gut you from the inside out. Yeah, yeah newts? they do, they do. Yeah, did I miss a sub chapter? I know. I was like, I don't remember the news. <laughs> okay. I do want to. Uh, I I do want to do um, cheese great writing moment of the week. Because oh, I I've noticed that I've done this every one, but there's like one passage every five chapters that I just love, <laughs> and. Um, this is one of them and it's just it's so cool I don't know why because it's even if you don't like chocolate this next couple set of paragraphs you know (laughs) it makes you go I really need a Hershey's bar so Ramus sighs straightens pauses for a moment of meditation to clear his mind licks his lips nervously and bites in deep hard cool this isn't the sort of chocolate you sit on a train ride to soften and get all over your fingertips. It's the sort of chocolate you dedicate yourself to. It's the sort of chocolate you dream about. It shaves off around his teeth and he gets half of it into his mouth, poised on his tongue, resting just above against his upper gums. Just chocolate. One of the dark ones. It tastes like renaissance. He sucks it, drawing it meltingly against his tongue and back of his throat. Ugh, Sirius says. Ramus doesn't notice. This is the sort of chocolate that allows... And that this is the sort of chocolate that allows interruptions of any kind. This is the sort of chocolate that demands your full attention. It requires complete and absolute concentration. It melts all the way down the back of his throat into a soft spot, thick and warm in the middle of his belly. Ramus presses his thumb against the corner of his mouth and sighs a chocolate breath outward. He can feel it in his pores, huff through his noise, nose, <laughs> a religious experiment, experience and epiphany. God, he whispers. <laughs> That's like the best chocolate ever. I was like, wow. I just love the way they describe it. 
it it's almost just, yeah. and I hate to say this, but it's almost written like a smut scene. It's like it's he's, like yeah. he's <laughs> one with the he's chocolate. Not love. that I would know. No, literally, it's like he's making love to the chocolate, which is he it, does it, details it, like it, this though. Remember. If, if I didn't know any better, I would think they were describing an orgasm. Like, serious. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it, it feels like. Yeah. Well, in some ways, I think that's what chocolate is yeah. to people, you know? I love that how they describe the things that... Have y'all noticed that Remus is the only one who eats that they describe in great detail? Do you remember the mustard at the beginning mm-hmm. of the story? Like, yeah. why? <laughs> what is... I think it's fascinating. You know, I think is it's it probably because, just because he has the werewolf senses or whatever, and he can... think. Or he has the old soul appreciation for good food. Hey, don't they mention in, in the, this this section how after he became a vampire, uh, nothing tasted after the same? After a werewolf, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what story is he reading? What's going on? Totally. Uh, after he became a werewolf, uh, uh, he, his mother makes him chocolate something for breakfast, and it all tastes different than it ever did before. Yeah. Which, oh, gosh. So, so angsty. So perfect. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm like, went off into my own little dream world of chocolate for the moment. Oh, good God. Oh, like, seriously, I've got to. I'm like looking around my house like there's got to be some chocolate here. Jen's going to absolutely jump her husband as soon as he walks in the door. <laughs> <laughs> like size crater in the front hallway. <laughs> there was no chocolate. You should have seen how much I wrote on the James and Lily scenes, even though they're not really focused on. I mean, they're, it's not too big because I feel like they're broken up so much that they don't. They're not. It's not like one big scene. But if you copy and paste just that scene, there is actually like oh, there's separate storylines that go on. Well, I just love the moment at the end where they're like the gushy couple, and it's annoying the hell out of everyone because it turns out not so much. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I just thought. That well, I. Was, I think I liked it so much. Well, sorry. Keep go. No, I was, sorry, just saying, I, like. I was just saying it's it was snarky. It it was it was there was there was like, <laughs> it was like Lily did not become that girl. They 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 kept up the level of snark and basically like you know he gives her the gift and, and he's like you're not gonna like it. She's like yeah that's okay. It's like kind of like you know there's the there's the traditional response and there's the Lily response. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know I that when I was a. When I was originally reading this, and I was like, I ser- this is kind of when I started questioning that this was going to be, this Remus and Sirius were going to be a thing. This is this is the first fic that I wrote, I read before I even knew that there was slash fics out there. Oh my. Like, seriously, it was way back when. I didn't even know that slash existed, much less that this story was going to be a slash. But I was infatuated with the James and Lily storyline, that finally they started to get together and he was growing up and and so I think, although, and now that I reread it, now that I know what's going to happen, I see the progression of the Remus and Sirius storyline. But when I was reading it, I was thinking, wow, there's a bunch of, of boys here, and finally we've got some romance happening between James and Lily. And I was like, this is starting to get really, this is when I was like, wow, this is going to be great. This story's starting to really become awesome. But the kiss didn't give it away to you. Oh <laughs> well, the kiss, you know, I thought, and honestly, and this sounds so stupid, but I have kissed my girlfriends, and it doesn't mean, like, I remember, like, having too much chapstick and, like, kissing my friend and on the lips and getting rid of half of it. Or, it doesn't work that way with guys. Just it didn't tell mean, you. 
doesn't well, it work wasn't, that way with guys. Well, it wasn't me like experiment. It wasn't me experimenting with lesbianism or anything. That you, like, know, you know what of. I mean? Uh, yeah, well, no, see that. I would know. Not necessarily. But, uh, subconscious. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're. In a, I think you're a subconscious lesbian. No, no I'm not a subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was trying to get. I was I'm, trying to get you to say unconscious lesbian. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, and I think when I read that, I didn't think it was any different. I thought, I don't know. I didn't. It didn't. I didn't even acknowledge it really when I first yeah. read it. Now I'm like arrows are pointing at it, but when I first read it, See, I was. I, all, I just know. We're all going. How could he not know it's a slash pick and. Here's how. I wasn't alone. Well, no. Like, I would tell Chi. I was like, I didn't tell Chi that this was a slash fake when she went into it. When she I don't know. She's, but she's really observant, so I don't know nothing how quickly gets, she... Nothing gets by Lady Chi. She's right. Looking, she's, looking, she's like, this is an allegory to Moses, and we're all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, hey, I have gotten several PMs about that, and I was right. <laughs> Superman was Jewish after all. All right. Yeah, for that no, one. So, I'm not going to get into this don't discussion again. <laughs> don't. We'll replay it in the finale episode, don't. <laughs> oh, my no, God. No, no, no. Finale episode. So, what else did we miss? That, though, I drop in conversation to look really smart. Pretty much, there, there isn't. I, I really believe this, that I don't think there's any one big thing that happens in these chapters that changes the way the plot is going. Like, I think there's a little scene, it's like the major thing, I think, was James and Lily got together, mm-hmm. and I think the other main thing is that Remus and Sirius, I mean, yeah, so Remus and Sirius had their first fight, and they got through it. The two, yeah. Thi- yeah, the two yeah. things about the story is that there's a lot of humor, everything is funny, mm-hmm. it's, it's, very, it's incredibly well-written. And within the writing of the story, all of the strength comes from small moments. Like the moment where Remus, I'm sorry, where Peter is so stagnant on the couch at Sirius's flat that literally, like, there's like a Peter sized hole in the couch. Like, to, sh- <laughs> to show you how much he, mo- like, to show you how lethargic this person is. It's like, like, little moments like that, or um, the moment, like, from the previous chapters with the record, there's there's Jen's look out of breath. No, I, I'm just trying to I'm trying to see if I agree with the term that you're using. What term did I use? In 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 what what did you what did he say? Is small in small in small moments. There's little moment like there's no little moment because I think I I want to argue that point, not necessarily argue. I think, and especially in later chapters, everything is is told so simplistically. I think is the way that. I don't. I don't I think, know if I necessarily yeah. call it small moments, but it's told in a very. I can't even describe it. It's in a unique, simplistic way. What I think I mean by that is that there are there are, the the strength of the story itself comes across from the realism. The everyday plot. The everyday plot that's so realistic to the reader that, like, I don't need to be told this massive, you know, four-page explanation of something that that Sirius did and why this is the inner motivation for his, you know, character and why this sets up stuff that will happen in the canon later. What I need to know is that you know, Sirius deeply cares for his friends and he is more mature than he lets on and 
you know, just the, the little, little things. He was the one to kiss Remus first. And right. he, but he was okay. the one who was too nervous to say anything. And he was the one that didn't care that he may become a werewolf. Like little moments like that. If I know, if I know, like that last moment hit me more than anything. If I can believe that he cares enough about Remus, that if Remus is a werewolf and based on Sirius working out his problems with Remus, Sirius became one too. And if my friend can do it, I can do it. And I'm okay with that. I got that from literally three lines of di- from three lines of dialogue and a one sentence description. I got right, that, well. and I believe that so much that probably influences all of my thoughts in the character. So when I mean little moments, I mean little like that little thing, tiny, physically little. Yeah. Like if I glazed over that paragraph and didn't catch it, I would have missed out on that. So there's but little- I think that's really important. That's a really important point with this story. You can't just glaze it. You can't skim. No, you can't skim. You miss you so miss much. Mm-hmm. And and I really want to talk about. We keep saying it's really well written, but it's written it, to me. It's written so differently than all other fan fiction that I've read that I've come across. And I can't. I haven't been able to pinpoint why. I mean, yeah, it's in a different person than the normal standard of fan fiction. A different tent. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> I never remember which one it is. But. <laughs> Um, it's also in a it's also in a strange person. I'll admit, it's very, but it's very it's dialogue, it's present yet, tense, third person, omniscient slash objective sometimes. But yeah, wow. Go ahead, Jen. Wow, that, that just blew my mind. Actually. Yeah, I was like, I, I just, I'm having flashbacks to grammar school. I know, I don't remember. Oh I feel God. like such a moron bringing this up when I can't even put it into Jen's words. Like, is it third person or second? person? <laughs> I know. I I don't ask me. I don't know. Well, but um, first is I. Second person is you. Third person is he. Their she. name. Yeah. She. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it I feels like it. first. But I think it's it's definitely third because it's it not. Feels, okay. Yeah, it's third, but it feels like first at times. I think. Right, because that that's when they're using objective tense. When they're using objective, okay. yeah, objective person. Well, I think what's because, interesting. Okay, okay go. Well, I, I was going to tell you the difference. Please um, explain. <laughs> okay, because um, omniscient is where... Okay, every story has a narrator. Whether or not you can see the narrator or not. In Harry Potter, it's Harry Potter. Harry Potter is written from a third-person objective because you cannot see anything that doesn't go on most of the time unless Harry is in the scene. And you see it through Harry's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you're seeing everything from Harry Potter's objective. Whereas Lord of the Rings is written from a third-person omniscient sort of thing where the narrator knows everything and can see inside of everybody's heads. So that's the difference. Objective, I'm looking through one person's eyes, can see only the thoughts inside of my head. Omniscient is I can see inside of everybody's head. Yeah. Thank you, Lady you for that public service. So it's good. I'm, I'm so thrilled that you can tell us that, honestly. Because I know I just couldn't <laughs> put it to words. But even with, even with the different um, tense... Um, it feels it still feels unique because I think it uses so there's so much more dialogue in this fake than so many in than so many other fakes. But at the same time, there's so much description. Well, it's and it's yeah, it's like you don't need 17 chapters of description to describe what the sky looks like that day. It's not that type of story, but just the way it is. Like I'm trying to. 
it's the level of snark, of snark and of attitude and of just like cleverly written humor that they they chalk into this story. Like you know, and they followed you know Kingsley's bald head home. It lit the way. Yeah. Or you like the you like the voice is what you're saying. I love the voice. It's like the the, the best line was when the Pruitt brothers are standing there and they're about to keep beat the crap out of Sirius and he talks them into becoming, you know, they, they will become their manslaves. And and I, I mentioned this before, and they'll do the song and dance. And Sirius is like, would you like us to choreograph it? Or, choreograph it? Or are you really into spontaneity? It's like, like it's just, it's just so cleverly, like, I just, I think it's hilarious. Like, anything that deals with with um, Remus's nose or um, you know, just chocolate in the back of his pants. It's like the back. It's like you know, Remus could not feel lower after arriving at the black. At, at, oh God, the blacks! That'd be a fun vacation. Um, after <laughs> arriving at the Pothers, and he feels so low, and and you have Peter walking behind him, staring at his ass, saying, "Yeah, that stain could not be in a worse place." <laughs> it's, just, it's, so, like, it's just like it's so funny. Like I, and you, I really have to tell you, this was narrated to me by a chipmunk. So this was just so outstanding. <laughs> I yeah I think um, just as an author it kind of is very it's it's off beat it's you know it's behind the beat it kind of is very the voice and the word choice I think the word choice is exquisite in this in this um, I was just about to comment on that because I don't think that you ever see the same word like the same good word more than twice yeah it just doesn't happen more than once well, and it's their vocabulary is so extensive. I think, and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons when I leave the story, I feel like I've got, like, I've it's gone It's extensive, cool. but it's not snooty. No, it's not it's in your face. It's very, right. Well, like, there's this one, there's this one, like, two or three sentences where, um, like, they just use a certain vocabulary. I think what's so, what, what's, how, what, how you're describing it, you're saying it's not snooty. I think it's not snooty because they incorporate these huge words and then they put words like ducky or yeah. slurping. You know, like they use really w- weird words, but then they also use like omnipresent or convalescent. You know, convalescent. How do you even say that word? Convalescent? I know it. Convalescing? Convalescing, yeah. Well, so, convalescing. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. In, in this one story, they're telling the tale of a band of four friends, you know, in what led them in their final years towards completing other death and destruction, and you know, the, like, you, you, you know, the 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 rise of a new dark age. And while at the same time, we're going to tell the tale of two young boys and their feelings for each other and their insecurities and their level of, you know, emotional distance and how they, you know, they complement each other. But we're also going to tell the tale of one of them buying their first flat and his roommate is a cockroach. It's like there's, like, <laughs> like all within the same story, all happening at the same time. And you don't know whether it's absolutely freaking... And you have a subplot about Dumbledore turning it into a crappy Halloween flick. But it makes it so freaking hilarious. And, like, the stakes are so real and it's so tragic. So, you know, starting these chapters tonight, I'm laughing at the fact that, that you know, Peter has absolutely no imagination whatsoever. And, you know, I'm picturing a well-lit library where, you know, uh, Sirius is running over, kicking the shins out of the you know supposed ghost with a sheet over its head, and then you know at the end of the chapter I see you know at the end of the chapters I see Lily, you know opening her Valentine's Day gift from James, and they're talking about you know 
future years and all this stuff. And I know they have three years to live tops. And it's it's so tragic, but you, you're laughing all the way that you know it can't be that tragic. And it, it really just plays off of you. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree also. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, Jen, you don't agree with me, right? Well, yeah, I do. But no, 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 Jen, you don't agree with me. You never agree with me. I On the, on the forum, I tried... To have all fourteen members of our Wise and Gamma on the I forum vote for this that. like Potterfic Weekly <laughs> mission statement, just so we could all agree on something. Was Jen was the one nay vote. I noticed that when you guys that. vote, it's always <laughs> unanimous for some reason. No, not mm-hmm. that one. That one was thirteen to one. <laughs> but usually they're all. It's always unanimous. It I just me said of, it wasn't uh, worded. I couldn't agree with it, so I had to disagree with it because it wasn't worded right. I just for those of you who don't know what happens in in the Wise and Game at, <laughs> at Perfect Weekly, and I clarified. Jen wanted me to call a vote on changing the way in which we vote because Jen did not <laughs> feel that the vote. I did. And then you ignored me. I did. Explain. Well, know what the thing is? We have the most <laughs> controversial like change to our forum rules of all time, and they always pass 14 to nothing. If I have the thing saying, what does everyone want to order for pizza tonight? It's like a tie vote. We need the tie break. So it's ridiculous. I know. Yeah, it is ridiculous. The My smaller deputy had the more controversial <laughs> You have no, like the non-existent issues in my mind are like the ones that are like paragraphs. No, Jen like, is yelling. Yeah. At, Jen is yelling <laughs> at me on the forum. Um, I don't like. Yell. Okay, here's the thing. We have we're, we are doing right now after we complete the shoebox project. We're doing our season finale, and then we are coming back. We are doing an episode on Naked Quidditch Match, and then we are doing Harry Potter and the Nightmare of Future's Past, which makes Mike very happy. And we have now been voting on what our seventh, no, our eighth um, fic will be, which actually um, we can announce right now, um, even though this will come out in like a week, so this will be old news by then. But I can announce right now that um, Lady Chi has spearheaded our uh, eight fit. It actually, it actually she passed. For like it passed our forums um, wise and gamut council um, while we've been recording tonight. I popped in just to check on it. Chi and Chi, you here? I'm here. I'm excited. I'm just waiting for the, my victory. Yeah, I'm waiting for, for the news. Well, okay, you, you drawn you it got, out. You got eight votes out of fourteen, so you win. Tell everyone what we're doing. We are doing Kylan Echoes by H. Whimsy, which is like my absolute favorite fic that's been written in the last year or so. Which is sad so because really you won't have snarky Lady Chi. It has been... No. Wait, it's no, only been written in the past year? Yeah, it was written over the course of the last year. Oh my god, I don't think I've read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good one. Chi, give, oh you know? give the audience, like for people who haven't read it, give us like a brief description. Uh, brief and, uh, summary. Okay, it's pre, I mean, it's post um, Half-Blood Prince, but pre-Deathly Hallows. It is um, the story of um, Jenny and Harry have split. Harry is an order. Jenny is a healer. And they kind of have to, it's kind of a mystery angst story. It's really, they have to track down um, this prophecy and, uh, it, but it's post, it's post um, after Hogwarts. So everybody's grown up and there's lots of good angsty grown-up stuff in it so it's still a couple? what's grown-up stuff well they bro- no they broke up just, i mean i mean that, they broke I mean, up and 
Are they, yeah. Is there still attraction there? Is that like the theme? Oh, yeah. Of the I mean, it's, it's a Harry, Harry Potter story. I'm sure they still have a thing for each other. They still have a thing for each other. A thing. I have I have Joe reading it right now, and he's kind of in love with it. Oh, so maybe I have read it. Maybe I have read it. It sounds familiar. It sounded familiar I when I saw I it. Had, I think I might have had you read it, Jen. I think it's older than a year. I don't think you know what, so. What really? is that? Maybe really? 2006. Maybe two, yeah, maybe, maybe 2006. I think but I have. I think it did make me read it. She yeah. gave me the most amazing story like ever made <laughs> in the history of mankind. What about my stories? Your stories are awesome, too. What okay, story? I'm going to stick about this one because I just reread it right now. <laughs> I just need. Oh, I, gave, I gave Mike. Um, I gave Mike end of the line, which is another story ah. I'm in love with right now. So, I love the fact yeah. that things. Spanish chippers. Do the gen we covered a year like none other, which took us like what three months. We've covered the shoebox project. You know, another <laughs> after month. the end took us that long too. And, and Jen's like, we need to cover fix that I like because, quite frankly, I don't want to <laughs> be bored in this podcast. I Say that, Ryan. You're making me sound like a bad person. I never said that. I'm not making you sound like a bad person. Jen. Yes, you are, Jen. You're making up stories. <laughs> no, Ryan's a pathological <laughs> liar. <everybody. laughs> yeah. So we get into Coven of Echoes. Well, we sometime. both kind of threw a fit about Dimer's. My fit. No, no, no. I want to clarify here. My tantrum was based on the fact that we have done a buttload of canon fakes and I'm like here am I like jumping up and down going non-canon ships like ghost Slytherins come on like those snake those snape lovers <laughs> okay I we predict this, is, this is my prediction right now this is my prediction <laughs> most of our, our uh, Slytherin house and our forums came over and just so everyone knows how this works um, what we do is we will allow everyone um, who is a member of our forums to vote for up to three fics from a list of nominees. Anyone can nominate it, any fic they want. And everyone can, everyone can vote up to three times. What we do is we take the top five, so you can have your friends register on the forum. You can, ha- you can, you know, advertise this on, on, you know, fix um, Yahoo groups and get their fans over. And the top five vote getters go before basically our village elders on the forum, our wise and gamut members, and they choose they choose the one. So, why was I just telling that? Oh, <laughs> like I forgot where I was going. Here is my prediction. Here is my prediction. I predict that you after, predict. you know, 12 weeks of Harry Snape adoption and, uh, what, four or five weeks... And that wasn't even a ship. That four, doesn't count. Four to five weeks of Marauder Slash and this, this one, week, one week... Of um, you know, well, basically naked Quidditch match, which I really can't which even put, is just which awesome. is parody, and then you know we'll have four weeks of AU, and then we'll have four weeks of canon. By the end of those eight weeks, Jen will be about ready to you know just throw herself off of the nearest. But she bridge. will be with me too. We're gonna do a Snape Hermione fake. Dang it! Here's my prediction. Right, Chief. You need to get mo- you need to get a majority of our Wise and Gamut members. So there's there's you know three Slytherins and there's four Ravenclaws and everything's about balance. My prediction is that Jen will form an unholy alliance with our Slytherins <laughs> to tilt us. If you like Saber Hermione or Draco Hermione or Draco Ginny or anything Slytherin Gryffindor, <laughs> please see Jen. We need to set up our own thread and like <laughs> take over the forums. <laughs> Who's with me? Yay! 
I was just, Mike, you don't get a vote. I, I'm so sorry. Now, Jen, I'm still fourth year. Janice, I, I swear to God, I'm going to be sitting here and be like, okay, we're, we're covering, <laughs> totally. we're covering totally. you know, Snape, Harry, Slash, and this is what happens when I give Jen power. No. <laughs> but see, I'm not alone. Snape, I Harry, repeat. I don't that one seems a little eh to me as a relationship relationship. Same with the Snape. It's just like, you know, age gap kind of. Oh, no. Me. Not in my fix. Well, most not- of my fix are like post-Hogwarts marriage law type. Yeah. It's not yeah. like like sicko pervert teacher and young boobless Hermione. It's not like that. <laughs> Who wants to read that? Nobody. Nope, but uh, <laughs> I won't go further. But um, it's concerning me. How, it's concerning me how Jen might actually pull this off. I will do it if you're with me. I think Jen's new goal is to give Melinda a coronary. Oh, well, that's not <laughs> poor, true. Poor canon loving Melinda, who loves I our love, podcast. Yeah, I love canon. I do, but I feel like. I just my I feel like my goal in life like I've thought about this. My goal in life is to push people outside of the box of canon because there's so many awesome stories out there if you just let your mind get dirty a little bit. And that should be our new slogan for the podcast in a second. You need to get just a little bit dirty. Get pushed people outside the realm of G-rated fics. Well, let's ask this, Jen. What fic would you like, like, knowing the fics that you've read, what fic do you think we should cover? We're going to be doing um, Cover the Mechos probably in April, so say around May-ish. What fic do you think we should cover? Well, gosh. You know, I'd be happy with, with either of these three, I think. Um, misconception. Hold on, you have a list ready? I do. Because I have three different ships, and I don't care if we do one from either of these out-of-canon ships. Misconceptions, which in in my opinion is one of my favorite uh, Draco Jenny fakes. I love that fake. Um, uh, Before the Dawn, which is one of the best Snape Hermione, like, under NC-17 rated fakes that I've read. And... um, Which I know, I like, because I don't think I can recommend half the ones that I really like. But... The other one is um, <laughs> Paradigm of Uncertainty because it's Harry Hermione, and I don't think I don't think we've done a fake. And I think of the Harry Hermione universe, that's one of the top fakes to read in that ship. I just sent, and, I'm, and I know we have a rule on the podcast that we don't, you know, start instant messaging people or whatever while we're talking. But I just sent a message to the Plaid Slytherin saying, "Please see Jen after the podcast." <laughs> P.S. and I are going to become good friends. Oh, God. P.S. <laughs> I know that for a fact. P.S. Mike, if you loved me, you would vote for these ships, too. Well, I'm going to tell you what, guys. Wait, wait. Well, tell <laughs> me what to vote for, Jen. I'll vote for it. Oh, you are my hero. Well, voting will probably be opening on the forum around the time that this episode comes out. We're going to let nominations open. We're going to let people, starting say tomorrow, we'll give people a week to put their nominations in, um, any fix they think we should cover, and then we'll open voting. Everyone gets three votes. Top five vote getters win. And if you love Jen... Well, top five vote getters are <laughs> If you love Jen... Wink, wink. 
and you're ready to expand your horizons as far as ship and cannon go. She could pull this off. She's she being awfully quiet because needs... I think she likes Before the Dawn too, though. No, I'm thinking you need eight she votes and you already got four. Yeah. Oh, baby. It's, Only it's I don't kind count. Of I am. It's kind of like it's it's a very oh. good. If you're gonna do a marriage law story, that's that's one you yeah you need to read. It's 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 yeah. Makes my list law? of favorite don't marriage law. What does that mean? Marriage law is well, the ty- it's like a type of fake. It's a plot device. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a a, plot it's where the purebloods have to. Um, the purebloods are going extinct, and the ministry is making all of the purebloods marry non-pureblood, and so purebloods are being forced to marry. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of together with enough stories on that topic that they have to make a genre name for it. It's a genre. I mean, well, yeah, there's tons of fakes out there under marriage law. It's the same as, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm comparing it. It's like male preg. It's, like, just a type of story. Yeah, like, or a Bond story. A Bond story. I don't know what that one is. Super hairy story. Or a, yeah. It's for a gone. Huh? Did you say a or Bond a gone? Story. Bond, B-O-N-D. Oh, like Bond. John. I, I was like, what is this? I'm like, the hell? What is this in which she speaks? <laughs> I know. Sorry. I like, is that Lord of the Rings? What? Wow. Was that your attempt at trying to sing this? <laughs> it really was. It really was. And I, I have to, I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't get the content joke either from the earlier chapter, so whatever. Oh my or, god, you no. guys, I worked, um, I worked band camp one summer. And <laughs> hold on, are you, like, are you doing one time at band camp? No, 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 it's not one of those dirty stories. But it, I did, I did work band camp though, and it was, um, and uh, there was these kids, and they, they were learning on the recorders, and y'all know what the recorders are. They're sort of like a clarinet, except it's without. You just have holes, yeah, you blow air. It. Yeah. Right. Anyway, and this kid was obsessed with the theme of the Lord of the Rings, and he would mm-hmm. just walk around playing. <laughs> I can't think of how the theme goes right now that I'm trying to think of it. No, not that one. The, See, she the, can the, do it. If I do it, she yells at me. It's the big, <laughs> it's the, the Hobbit's theme. Oh, I can't think of the Hobbit. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, every... That one. And he would just walk around like so solemnly everywhere. Like we'd go to the cafeteria. And like he'd just sit there and like his he closed his eyes. And like <laughs> you had to just make sure this really big kid on this little recorder and like being so serious like he like he was Mozart. Over and over and over and over for all week. We laughed and laughed. <laughs> anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Everything. Okay. I th- every time I hear, it, I think of that kid. <laughs> that was a good story. Good, it story. Is a good story. So Shoebox is great this week. Next week it is going to be awesome. I'm actually going to go start reading it right now, so I can. I'm really. I I'm really want you to. Re- I'm going to show up at the recording three weeks early. Three days. That made no sense. I'm going to show up at the recording three hours early just to get a good seat. Seriously, Ryan, I want you to tell me chapter per chapter what your thoughts are. Okay. Because. These next few chapters, seriously, this is the reason I, I and and you're okay. Just to say, you like this fic as is, 
Mm-hmm. These next few chapters are why I continue to read and reread and reread these. Really? The best chapters of this whole story have yet to come. Okay, well, we're going to come back uh, next week with our final episode on the Shoebox Project. And from there... Sadness. And... Oh, keep going. Oh, I'm like... So we're I'm, gonna, any, like, <laughs> I'm actually going to say that again because now I forgot where I came from. So we... <laughs> So we Massachusetts. will be. Thank you, Lady <laughs> So we are going to be coming back next week with our final episode on the Shoebox Project, which you know there will be much crying and much screaming. Jen for and what I the next will chapter scream is. together in the corner. There I'll just crying, guys. And this is our last fic of Perfect Weekly's first season. Holy da, da, da. crap! <laughs> <laughs> Mike's been here for like a week and a half. He's like, <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> Wow, it I doesn't just, feel like it's been that long. It's been a year. Well, no, I, don't, I feel like I've known you people for seven years. <laughs> I know, we can't. It feels like, really oh my short, God. but it feels really long at the same time. I can't believe we're coming back for a second season. I can't believe we have seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Jen wrote me like an angry letter. Why do we have to have a new season? Why can't we just say, come back next week? I'm like, Jen, you change the theme music, and everyone gets new hairstyles and talks about what they did over summer break. You have to Wait, we're changing our theme music? We can. Hopefully. I'm still working with Joe on that. You are? And she yeah. is going to work with me, too. Can someone let I know me we know before the that. episode airs what we're doing? <laughs> you know that episode song is the only music I've listened to, like on a song, in the last ten years? Like, music of any kind? Wait. You're just wizard rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> movie. That's the only song that I've, like, purposely listened to oh. my entire life. What? Wow. Really? Like, like, right? like, like, <laughs> That's the only music that you've listened I to? I cannot relate to you at all on that. In 10 years? How is that possible? Entire, since I was like a little kid. You don't listen to the radio? Nope, don't have a radio. <gasps> In your car? I don't have a car. <laughs> oh my god. I don't have one of those... Um, CD players. Um, the two music a... majors here are like... <laughs> <laughs> like I love bringing Mike on the podcast. Such... iTunes. <laughs> Do you have an MP3 player? I have no iTunes. I have no... I don't, the da- whatever the download well, MP3 I know what I'm getting you for Christmas next year. Drive it to him and hand it to him, will you? <laughs> don't use the post office. You know what I mean? No. Music seems like such a time-consuming hobby. That's what I always say. It seems like it takes up so much of t- people, so much time from people. You just watched five seasons wait, of Babylon Five in a week. To, wait, you think that listening to music takes up too much time? That's what it seems like. I've never actually tried it, but that's always my impression. You see, people like, invest <laughs> so much effort into it. <laughs> I can't. I can't function. I don't. I, I don't so think sh- I could. I don't think I could breathe without music. <laughs> I don't see how that's possible. What's well, you know they they spend money on it and they spend like hours of their time listening but to it. Read, I don't know. You read all the time. It's it's. A I do. I do. Read. Do you sing? I no. I, I can't sing. Do you, no. you whistle? Do you hum? Nope. <laughs> I've always wanted to whistle, but I don't know how. I feel like crying for you. <laughs> I think I don't sing. I have no tune because I don't listen to music. I'm, Mike, sure I'm coming to visit you, and I'm just going to... Hold on. Let's take this round. I'm singing hold music. On. Wait, wait, wait. But Pro- but Potterfig Weekly brought you the gift of music. 
That's the only <laughs> song I've, I've listened to ever. Is that Ron, my chocolate ever? frog? Thing? Or just like recently, like in the last few well, years? Like the only song, like like I'll hear songs in the background of um, movies, mm-hmm. or like if I'm with a friend and they have something going on in the background, I'll hear that. But that song's the only song I've ever purposely, like, gone. The only song that's ever played in my own home. The only music in my own home ever to play. Well, we can't change the theme song now. This is like Mike's, like, anchor. We can't do that. <laughs> hey, Ron. Like, do, 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 next time you're... Oh, Mike. You need to write to Harry and the Pothers right now and tell them the gift they have given you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I need to send you some Oliver Boyd and the Remember oh, my- and you'll come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, people were t- like, I was just having this discussion with um the airplane, what's his name? The blimp guy. He's named what? after a blimp. And, uh... <laughs> it- <laughs> <laughs> they're like, how do you not know this dude's name? And I'm just like, I don't listen to music. The guy named after a blimp? Or well, I'm sure he's not purposely named after it. The um, what do you what do you call the blimps? They're they the floating. What's the one that burned dips. down? The Hindenburg. No, no, like, <laughs> the the, Hindenburg? Like, all the, like there's like a I think like a German word or something for him. Hindenburg. No, no, no. No, was it the Hindenburg? Ze- Zeppelin. Well, a- something like that. Zeppelin, maybe. Uh, you're probably right. Like on the forum. No. Like What's what are you no, talking like, about? Blimp? <laughs> Never mind. I I'm guess so I, I was confused. trying. It was this like famous person, supposedly that everyone knows, and I didn't know who he was. Zeppelin. My, there we go. I seriously have almost 200 gigs of music. I'm sending you every single song that I own <laughs> right now. I'm not joking. I have paper. two external hard drives filled. I just buy CDs for the hell of it because I sing in my car. Like yesterday, I bought the CD Muse. I don't even know if I like this band, but I just bought it. And because I wanted something to rock out to in my house while I danced. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna it's not been that great of a band, hair. but it's awesome. Wait, do you like yeah. Muse Chi? I don't know. I haven't, never, I haven't heard them. You'll have to send them my way. I will. They're, they're different. To me, they have a very Andrew Lloyd Webber background to it, but it's very rock and roll. Like, like a classical. rock opera type thing? Well, sort of. You like, just have to hear it because there's so it's so many juxtaposed layers. Yeah, it's really interesting. The and the bass moves, you know, in the theory progressions that you're actually taught, you know. Yeah. One four six. Like one, you four, know, five. Yeah. One four five. One, yeah, just like that. And so it's just one, really four, awesome. Six, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Okay. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I'm just like still in shock that. Like Mike, I have to say, you add something to every show you're in, and I mean that seriously. Like, I, love I am you, Mike. Like, I am thrilled with the level of what you add to each show. I mean, you can't get this anywhere else. <laughs> I'm flattered. Thank you. Well, you're you're very welcome, and and best of luck finding Jen's Christmas gift. I'm sure it's going to turn up real soon somewhere in the continental <laughs> United States. I think we have to go redo it, which I'm. No, Mike, don't. I we I'm gonna. Call I'll the post office. After all this, you're getting it one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, the you just show up and your front steps. Well, here's the damn thing. Show within your arms. Well, Joanne <laughs> said she'd be back to work on Wednesday, so I'll have to call her on Wednesday. Joanne, if you're listening. <laughs> if you're a fan of Modern Big Weekly. <laughs> we no longer like you. Have a good night, everybody. Night. Good night. Hey. So long. Farewell. I'll be in the
glad the four track was broke that day Because you grabbed a guitar and I heard you say That the top of the pops better get ready For the new hit single from the Weasler goes from Hi, this is Rosamond of the Forums. I just had to call in to see how much I loved this pick. I'm one of those fans who has never forgiven Rowling for what she did with Remus in Sirius, so Shoebox and After the End make my ideal Harry Potter universe. I just finished rereading chapters 16 through 20 of Shoebox and had some comments. The foreshadowing in chapter 19 gave me chills. When Remus says, you'll only see drapery in your crystal ball, and then Sirius replies, the professor says it fails. Chapter 20 had some great characterization, especially with Peter, such as when he talks about making the map with the rest of the marauders. The lines, it's easiest not to be the rat of the group. He'd like to feel invaluable. Mostly, he just feels terrified. Really give you an inkling of how he became what he did. By the way, Ryan, the comments about the snow in Boston were pretty funny. We got 31 inches of snow here, but in Maine, we only complain if we don't get enough snow. Love the show. Ryan in the Tower, a play brought to you by Ravenclaw House and the letter R. Welcome to this very special episode of Master Fake Theater. Last time we left off, Captain Ryan and the starship Poofwanian were headed to Britain to find and explore this strange thing called Ravenclaws. Admiral Chi. How are the readouts? We fully prepared for a planetary entrance, sir. Entering the atmosphere in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hold on to your intergalactic strength wire belts. So this is Hogwarts, huh? Wait, Dave! Dave! Stop this thing! I would if I could. And due to the wolf Chi tries to keep leashed, the brakes appeared to have been severed. The starship Pufwanian crash-landed in one of the high towers of Hogwarts. The inhabitants of the tower surrounded the crash ship. Where are... Holy crap! I just can't do this right now. What have you guys done to your common room? You said I could. It's lopsided and three different colors. But we ran out of space. Well, it's your hat that keeps giving us new housemates. Yeah, we needed more rooms. We have to bunk together. We have, have to, to live, live with a boy. boy. I've gone temporarily deaf. So, what's this thing under the stairs? That's Shiny's room. She likes it because she gets to be in charge of the power tools. Hey, look, she left us a note. Hey, Ravenclaws, it's date night, so I won't be able to help out. I'm sure you all will do great, though. Happy birthday, Ryan. Wait a second, you people have power tools in here? Yeah, there's this cupboard right here. She's a bit attached to the gun. Personally, I think we're finished with it for now. Yeah, our room is finished. Nope, our room is not finished. You and that monkey. Don't mess with the lemur. It's a lemur. Monkey, lemur, whatever. Just keep it out of my underwear drawer. But how does this tower still stay up? It's precarious. Look, we took time out of our busy brain-teasing math schedule to do this episode of Masterfit. 
You think we can get back to it? Okay, let's get back to it. The tower is perfectly safe. Headmaster, you were being overly dramatic. Cue the narrator. The Ravenclaws were excited to see the starship and curious to... Overly dramatic? You Ravenclaws could topple it. (laughs) Sorry I'm late for the Master Fake recording. I had to conjure more bronze paint for Kismet. Oh, Headmaster, hello. Yes, I figured out the brain teaser. It's 52 squared to the power of 75. Is that even a number? Look, just don't wreck anything. And if you topple the tower, don't come crying to me. Never mind that now. Can we please get back to the script? Narrator, go. The Ravenclaws were... Um, Ali, where's the welding gun? Right, oh, here. Wait, oh, where'd it go? Guys, can we get back to the script? Kismet had the welding gun last. She was putting in her extra room. Um, I'm pretty sure we turned it off. Safe. You call this safe? Kismet, what is she doing up there? Why is she up there? She should be here. Is Scarlet even here yet? How can we do this thing when you aren't even ready? Um, Kismet left the snow. Hi, I'm upstairs here. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I have the welding gun and I'm not afraid to use it. (laughs) I really wanted to say happy birthday to our headmaster. And uh, I'm sorry that I'm stuck upstairs here, but I'm kind of covered with blue and bronze paint. And I think that my prefect would kill me if I tramped down the stairs and left footprints. So um, I'm just going to stay up here, and I hope you have a nice birthday. Bye! Scarlet will be late, so she sent me a voicemail. Get off! Get off! Oh, hi, Dave. I am a bit caught up with Audrey, too. She's got her vine around my leg, and she's looking hungry. I'm going to try to get away from her, but if I can't, will you let Ryan know that I wish him a happy birthday? And tell Keza I have dibs on the welding gun. Bye! How can we do this if we can't all get organized? And has anyone seen Jen? Anyone at all? No one? Oh, I do hope the propane tanks in Texas are all right. Maybe Kismat's up there. I think she was still painting. I'll just go check on her. You people are insane. I mean, I knew about Jen and Chi, but you're all like that. How many countries have you people collectively set fire to? How many toilets across Pufuania are blocked? Are there any koalas left in this world? My heart can't take this. Chi, sort this out. I'm leaving before you all infect me with your brand of insanity. Ah, silence. Not sure that's a good thing. Um, how many windows are we allowed? Why? Because the limo just added two and a skylight. I always wanted a skylight. Unfortunately for the production crew, chaos reigned in the tower that night. The crew struggled to complete the audio play, but as often happens in the Ravenclaw common room, free thoughts ruled the day. All right, places, people, places, Daniel. The milling crowd of performers continued chatting amongst themselves, ignoring Dan's call. Hey, I called places, Dan shouted more loudly. Yeah? Well, who died and made you the director? Allie asked. Well, Dan sputtered. Someone has to direct this band of fools, otherwise we'll never get this recorded. And I'm the only one with directing experience. Does anyone else here know how to direct? Ooh, ooh, I do, Scarlet answered, her hand raised as she jumped up and down. But you can't direct. You're in charge of the set, Dan explained calmly. But I don't want to be in charge of the set. I want to be the star. You can't be the star. Lady Chi is the star. The crowd groaned, and Dan quickly added, But you're all co-stars. I don't want to be a co-star, Dave whined. I want to be the executive producer. Yeah, and I want to be the creator, Keswick exclaimed. And I want to be the grip, Jen giggled while she wiggled her eyebrows at Dan. 
people, Dan started once again, trying to bring order to the chaos. Well, if they get to do what they want to do, then I don't want to be in charge of Sam. Wolfie interrupted and threw down his microphone. Well, what do you want to do? I want to be the saucy cabana boy that steals the heart of the starlet, he shouted. He gripped his shirt and pulled, ripping the buttons off and burying his chest. I second that motion, Lady Chi exclaimed as she came running down the stairs. This isn't in the script, Keza argued. I don't need a script. I prefer ad-lib, June interjected. But I already made the costumes, Shinny objected and pointed to her jet black robes. All right, everybody be quiet. We are never going to get this recording done in time for Ryan's birthday if we can't cooperate. Now, where's Rose? She's supposed to be organizing all of you. I think she went to the kitchens with Celine to get dinner for the wrap party, Kismet added from the back. Kismet, what are you doing? You're getting paint everywhere. Yes, well, you said to paint the set yesterday. You were supposed to paint the set yesterday. Uh, do you want me to stop? Yes, Dan shouted. Snooty directors think they know everything. Kismet grumbled as she threw down her paintbrush and stomped off. This is boring. I want ice cream. Allie, please, after we're done. Now, come on. Can we please just get to places, everyone? But whose script are we using, Keza asked. Because I didn't write Joe as the saucy cabana boy. This is the worst recording ever. You guys are terrible. Ryan's gonna hate this. Dan spun around to face the new voice and found Lego snickering at him. Lego, just what the heck are you doing? Oh, me? I'm the critic, Lego replied with a wide smile. Oh, that's it. You're all fired, Dan shouted and tossed the script into the air, which proceeded to scatter everywhere. We'll just buy Ryan a t-shirt or something. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ryan. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You're a hundred and two. You look like a monkey. And you smell like one too. Happy birthday! The moral of this story is never let a monkey into your pants. It's a lemur. No, monkeys or lemurs were harmed in the making of this production. Happy birthday, Ryan. You have been listening to a Ravenclaw House production. Starring, in order of appearance, Wolfie as the narrator, Lego as Captain Ryan, Chi as Admiral Chi, the head squirrel, Gen 2 as the only one who can say the wire belt thing, Dave as the one who can't stop the spaceship, Shiny as the one with a better offer, Ray as the one who opens the cupboard, Ali as protector of the welding gun. Wolfie as the lemur enthusiast, Keza as the random Australian, Lego as himself, Dan as the director, Kismet as the mad painter, Scarlet as the prisoner of Audrey, Lego as the author of the drabble, Wolfie as the saucy cabana boy, the small people as the choir. Sound effects by Wolfie, editing by Keza. Written, produced and directed by Ravenclaw House and the lemur. In Ravenclaw Tower, real life imitates art. The quality of this recording is affected by illness, real life commitments, failed recording sessions and amateur editors.